Hi there, it's episode 98 of Space Brains and we're talking about science fiction film The Quiet Earth, came out in 1985. Hi, and welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm sorry, and this is Mark. Hiya, it's episode 98, and we're talking about science fiction film The Quiet Earth, which came out in 1985. In this episode, we'll reveal what we thought about the film, the ins and outs of narrative and film language, plus a nice deep dive into a specific piece of science that the filmmakers are proposing. The Quiet Earth uh, is directed by Jeff Murphy, screenplay by Bill Barr, Bruno Lawrence, and Sam Pillsbury, and it is based on a novel called The Quiet Earth by Craig Harrison. Yeah, so turn back now if you haven't seen this film, because warning, this is your warning, spoiler warning. Warning, 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 warning. We're going to go through everything. Everything, and everything, and anything. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Well, no, no, <laughs> that, that's another episode. We'll do that later. Definitely. The Quiet Earth tonight. So let's get into Act 1 of Space Brains by starting with the synopsis of The Quiet Earth. Uh, it's based uh, around a man named Zach Hobson who awakens to find himself totally alone in the world. Well, in New Zealand, to be exact. And he's in his desperate attempt to search for others, he finds the only other two who have survived, like him, who have their own sort of agenda. What was your number one takeaway from A Quiet Earth? Sorry. My number one takeaway from A Quiet, uh, The Quiet Earth. The Quiet Earth. <laughs> is simply that left alone for four or five days, it is ordinary to mm. believe oneself a god. It is. It, it is. is. I would. I, I was surprised. Uh, we we're talking about this pre recording how quickly Zach goes from, oh, yeah, okay, no one's around, to, okay, I'm just going to. Break everything, every norm and thought that I would normally have, and I'm going to, you know, just be a little bit bonkers. Yeah, I, I really liked how rapid he descended. Actually, like I, it was a real quick. And I, I think that's not necessarily um, unlikely as well, because no, I've thought about this. You know, it's one thing to wake up uh, and there's been some sort of apocalypse, and there's very few people around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you find because this, I think it was about five days in, he mentioned or something. Yeah, yeah. He found, yeah, he'd gone through city centre, mm-hmm. gone through town, this little town, the suburbs. He'd had a radio announcement on repeat. Mm. And it was just that point where, and of course, we find out later on that he, he had knowledge that there was this grid project, Project Flashlight, that he suspects killed everyone. Caused the issue, Or yeah. caused the event or the yeah. effect, whatever it is. And so he he falls into despair extremely quickly, which mm. you'd you would because if you if you thought you were one of just a few people left, mm. like you know after one of the like uh, some disease or something, uh, it's not so bad because then you kind of go oh okay I'll, I'll find some other people you know I can, I know there are some other people out there and we can kind of yeah start again as it were and like mm. and, and try a new life for sure. But if you have, have, have decided you've Ended any possibility of there being other people. Hmm. Uh, it's it really is just you slipping away to death. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's it's not like you can have children even to continue the human species. It's just no. 
it's it becomes a nihilistic nightmare where it's just well nothing mm. at all matters and i think probably shows you the profound effect because in this version of an apocalypse there's it, everyone has just disappeared there's no bodies there's no, no there's no animals like all and the it, animals are gone like it, there's, there's no living creatures you know as in mammals and animals and humans and there's no bodies you know we normally grieve a body yeah so in terms of your mindset you know, and he, later in the film, he, him, and the others actually do debate. Oh, what happened when they, when the event happened, and they, they kind of, a couple of them do question whether they had died or not died, and you know, and and Zach says that he goes, oh, I thought I, maybe I had died, and I am the only one left, and you're, you guys are actually a figment of my mm. imagination, like, so, so it's. You, it's hard for us to understand, and that's what's great about a science fiction fo- like this, because it's giving us a chance to live in this world as Zach, and what would we think would be our experience? You know, so as you said, quite often in those zombie apocalypse films, you know, not every single human is affected. So they sort of strive to find the other humans and then maybe together fight back or create a little colony. You know, we've seen this yeah. time and time again, whereas the concept here is it's, it is only Zach. <laughs> so if you were Zach and you're left, how long would it take you to mentally break down? You know, like how long would you last before you think you're a god or he starts talking to Hitler, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he, he, he does all the normal things like just sort of moves into a fancy house yeah. and... Drinks champagne and a raw egg. I, I don't understand that. No, I don't get that. Is that anyway. maybe a listener can get in touch if, if that's what they have for breakfast? Yeah, maybe it it's looks, a New Zealand thing. It looks like the breakfast of champions, if you <laughs> it ask does. me. It's it does, like, doesn't it? Like Rocky, New Year's Eve, Rocky would like, you know, have a raw egg with some champagne. With you know, some champagne. It's Rocky, yeah, it's the next step in Rocky evolution, isn't <laughs> yes. it? Just add a bit of champagne to your raw egg. Yeah, why not? <laughs> um, so tell me, though, was this a warning, hope, or experiment? Oh, it's a. It's, it's a difficult one, that I reckon. I reckon it, I'm going to do this by elimination. I don't actually think it was our story of hope. No, there's, I think there's we not really any hope. Not in a lot there. of hope in this. Um, so it could be a warning. It's a cautionary tale because the experiment. What was it called again? You just project flashlight. flashlight. That's right. Is it that science is the old, has science gone too far, which yeah. again we see and, so And withholding much. information from that, people because yeah, they're saying the Americans didn't tell us and yep. then RP says, of course, well, you didn't tell me. Yeah. And yeah, like. And you don't, and we know this is the truth, right? Like there's experiments going on and military technology being invented that we don't necessarily know what's going on with it. No. And the side effects of it, or, or whatever you know. So, and we've we've had cases where that's come out later, like Agent Orange, yeah, that's right. uh, and things where they go, well, you know, it seems that maybe they could have told more people that it was <laughs> not a great thing. And- yes, and then it could be an experiment because it's a bit of a what if, like what if the an event happened where you were the last person left on Earth. Um, I'm going to go with an experiment, I reckon, for this experiment? one. Experiment? Yeah. I reckon it's a what if. Like what, that's I, I think mean, it I is feel... a little bit more because, yeah, the cautionary side of this, uh, it is brought up a few times of like, you know, here we are like playing with God's power without due caution. Yeah. Yeah. But the themes and the underlying plot of this didn't, didn't really explore undoing that. Like, like they just... Mm. It was more about their personal relationships 
and their experience of being alone mm. uh, and, you know, uh, Zach's guilt and uh, efforts and, and the way, you know, knowledge is being withheld from different people uh, yeah. and, you know, um, pos- possibly yeah, there is some exploration of alternate universes yeah. How the world might really work, but caution. There's a bit of a caution in there. Yeah, it's definitely. But a caution it's not in like there. you know, uh, Alien, where yeah, it's definitely caution, as in don't go down and poke around and stuff. You're not supposed to. And we probably don't. The, look, the ending of this film uh, is a bit open to interpretation. It's a bit indie styled that way. Um, I feel like I have my my version of what happens at the end, and I'm sure Surrey does too. And you out there in listener land might as well. And the filmmakers aren't. It's not a complete package at the end of the film where they totally are answering the question. So then I think that's, to me, where it's also an experiment because it's it's like, what if this happened and then where would that lead you as a person? Where does it lead Zach? Yeah, where does it you lead know, like, you? And where does it lead your thoughts at the end? Yeah, and where does, what would you do in this scenario? You know, who? what type of person would you be? Um what type of thoughts would you go through? Would you survive this type of apocalypse? If Man, you're the I, last I could just, if I was the only person at the gym, <laughs> ah, that would be so good. Ripped. I could just take my you get time. totally ripped. Well, you know, the, the rear delt uh, fly machine is the most <laughs> popular machine ever. I can never get a full set out on that. You could get one in your own place if you were Zach, couldn't hey, you? Well, you could I, could just, I could just go live one. at the gym. Why live not? at the gym. <laughs> they go showers and toilets and, yeah, you know, a right. vending machine. That's good. It's right next to the supermarket. It runs leftover sweat. Yeah. Oh, no. It's, it's very very well cleaned. It's uh, cleaned every day and everyone wipes up after themselves. It's good. Everyone's a wipe And up. there'd be no one there. I could just clean yeah. it off. and then Clean it up and then I wouldn't have to wipe off after No, you after wouldn't. Myself. It'd just be my own <laughs> filth that I'd be you know, wallowing in. And did you, was this the first time you'd seen this film? Yeah, I'd never heard of it before. You know, yeah. I actually thought it was a different, I thought it was a documentary. Well. Right. I didn't really because you said it's not. And yeah. I went, okay, it must be a feature film. Yeah. But there is a documentary that um, was based off a book called The World Without Us, ah. which is about, um, you know, what if people all disappeared? Yeah, right. If everyone just vanished, like in this, you know, yeah. if everyone just vanished, bang, instantly. Mm. So not a case of do we, you know, we slowly die off, whatever, but it's in. Yep. Day one, without us, what starts happening? You know, mm. what, what does nature do? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it wasn't. So I went into this and I thought this would be interesting to see. Um, 1985, I knew it was sort of independent or um, certainly as a New Zealand low-budget thing here. We've sort of seen Peter Jackson come yeah. out of New Zealand around this time. Yep. Was it 87? Was it, I or think Brain eight, Dead was around 87, well, wasn't it? Or 80, 85 maybe. His first one was uh, Bad Taste. Yeah, and then yeah, and then brain, brain dead, dead and meet the feeble, meet the feebles and brain dead. Yeah, yeah. which are very unlike the Lord of the Rings <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> entirely. Well, yeah, and he also made that mockumentary, which is really great for um, Forgotten Silver, which is a great Forgotten Silver. No, yeah, I haven't seen uh, that one. Mockumentary, it's really very clever. But uh, around the time, so I was thinking, I was thinking, okay, well, I'd like to see how he's going to have. The guy all by himself. Mm. Like, how far can they go? Because yeah, yeah. even right. sure he's walking the streets of, I don't know what city that was actually. Wellington, I presume Wellington. It looked like a, you know, it had some skyscraper <laughs> yeah, yeah. type thing. It was like a, it wasn't like a little country town. No, no. But they got a few good scenes there where he was absolutely alone. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's not a car moving, no. not a thing going on there. Yeah, yeah. And 
I was curious to know how they did that. So that's, that's what I was, I was still looking forward to that and finding out where this film was going to go. Yeah, for sure. Um, how about yourself? Do you, what expectation did you have coming to this film? Uh, well, no expectations, but quite often that's a really good thing. You know, like we watch these films that are, you know, that we haven't heard of or mm. we we think that we know of. Like when we saw Killer Clowns, as, we, as I talked about then, I remember seeing it on the VHS at the rental shop, you know. So I don't even remember this one, but... It popped up in my Amazon feed and I thought, oh, it's science fiction, a guy at the end of the world and it's New Zealand. Like, let's give this, let's, let's give it a go, you know. Mm. So I still remember, thanks to Sean at Little Space Planet Sci-Fi yes. Film Festival, um, uh, that movie Brother. Ma- Brother from Another mm. Planet, you know. Like, I hadn't heard of that and that is just such a great science fiction Little indie film, right? It's a little like, gem, and, I... and and the fact that again, that was was that the eighties, that one eighty four, yeah. I think, so, yeah. and you know, we well, you and I grew up in the eighties as kids, and it's just like those eighties films. There's a vibe, there's a feeling in them, and this film does have it as well. Yeah. It's still got the feeling of the eighties in it, I reckon. Um, although, <laughs> although, um, this isn't against New Zealand. I mean, New Zealand, Australia, we're very close, and the cars are the same type of cars, and. Uh, you know, there's a holding use in this, you know, and um, even some of the way the outback is shot and the cars, a bit Mad Maxy at times, you know, I, I thought, and Mad Max was a few years before this one. But um, I, the expectation going in of just thinking, hey, this is like a little independent 1980s New Zealand film, um, it could be a little gem. And I, I think that this film is a little gem, actually. And I, I feel, I felt very satisfied watching this film. There's maybe a little bit of dating going on, like a little bit of time going past special effects, you know, things. But as you said, they did some really great, I mean, there's some really great, you know, cars crashed on the highway. Uh, there's some, you know, at the start when he wanders around, there's, the, you know, the line marking that's just gone off oh, into the that. field, you know. Um, there was a truck, you know, turned over. There's a petrol tanker stuck in the middle of a bend. Um, and they kept that very consistent throughout the whole film, didn't they? So everywhere they went and in the city and the towns and the roads, they just kind of left those little yeah, sort there, of markers. there were no cars just parked nicely. No, there was no, like everything in, was a, stationary in the middle of an intersection. Yeah, yeah so, places that you would never leave a car. Yeah, and there was that. The other thing I think that you know, the, if you remember him and the the B story, the the woman Joanne, Joanne she um, when they find like that woman, that dead body. Yeah, and it's kind of like oh, maybe there is or there has been some other people around. And that looked like, oh, there's some shit has gone down here, like oh, a violent yeah. thing has happened. But that's never really explored, you know, like in The Walking Dead, they kind of go off and explore that. But in something like this, they didn't explore it, but it just meant that there was a world building going on. Yeah, there's a, the there's a guy bit. smashed through a, the windscreen yeah. of a car. And- yeah. So, so yeah, I thought this was a cool little gem. And, and I do also think, and we'll come to it a bit later, is I think there's also some very interesting sci-fi conversations this film raises like mm. we've already talked about how quickly would you go mad uh, or ha- would you descend into madness or would you first opportunity 
<laughs> is he sorry running around with the space brain on top of his head, totally naked, I, at the gym? And then I go insane. <laughs> and then he goes insane. Yeah. yeah. So take that uh, off, put on a conservative whatever that suit. machine. Sorry, was mentioning before. He's just on it twenty four seven. That's it. <laughs> um, my rear delts would be massive. <laughs> You're like this guy. You remember he drives? That's the holding. He drives it into the shopping center. You know, like yeah. that. Like they don't do that in the zombie films. And you always think, well, yeah, like just drive the car in. Why not? Yeah, he does it's doing a shop and he takes a big mower yeah. statue. And he says, oh, I'll have that. Yeah. So and for some reason, a whole bunch of TVs. Yeah. And again, I, I think in the 80s, maybe that was a status thing. Or that a, was, hey, everyone a wanted a TV. TV. You wanted two TVs. If you, had, if you had two TVs, oh my God. Oh, no. no. Whereas now, it's like you get roadside collection of just perfectly operational TVs yeah. that people can't get rid of any other way but send for the tip. So, and how did this film make you feel? Sorry. It made me feel a little bit lost mm. and, you, you know, introspective of that. Um, we talk about the madness, but also things like things like global warming uh, or the pandemic and things mm. you're sort of going, what are, what are we really doing? We're like running around like, chi- you know, turkeys or chickens with their heads cut off, yep. thinking that certain things are important. We're invading other countries like on a whim just because we feel like it or, or it's politically expedient or something. Yeah. And you think that's all really kind of pointless ego stroking mm. and you're watching this film because he makes this point where he stands up and addresses his crowd which <laughs> includes famous figures and the mower but and yeah he he says you know like we thought we were gods we thought we could do whatever we wanted and um and now here we are i seem to have achieved that or something you know to that effect yeah, yeah. and and it's, it's that same thing like you sort of you want to like get people and sort of sh- shake them by the lapels mm. a little bit and sort of say what what on earth is going through your head that makes you think that saying they've got weapons of mass destruction is an important thing? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. it's just not as important as you seem to think it is. Yeah. It's just going to make people unhappy. Yeah. Why are you trying to make the world unhappy? Like, what's the purpose of that? Mm-hmm. Likewise, you'd say to Saddam, it's like, why Why the dictator thing? Yeah. You could be good with this power. You could do some great things. Yeah, that's right. But instead, you're kind of you know, preening your feathers and, you know, fluffing the beds of your friends. Like, what? Yeah. Why would you, what? Ah, uh, you know, have yeah. a little bit of a, watch this film <laughs> and have a bit of a bit of a think about your own position. And, and that's what I was thinking is like, you know, how many things do I do because I think they're somehow important? You know, how many rear delt flies do I really need to do? Yeah. I mean, and- at what point... Am I powerful enough? And and wasn't it interesting what you're saying there that like when when he discover, when him and the girl discover each other, they just kind of embrace. Yeah. Because they've been alone for whatever it was, five, six, seven days. Oh, I think that's, about, that's, that's a been a couple of weeks because she mentions for, for about right, two weeks. Moved. Two weeks that's she right, basically sorry. was a bit so, crazy. Yeah, yeah, and he had moved out. So sorry, yeah, yeah. I'm wrong. Yeah, so the time was and, – and he does embrace. They yeah. embrace. And then even when – is it RJ, I think, or RJ? Arpy. Arpy comes along. Yeah, there's a bit of a standoff to begin with and then yeah. once that kind of – it's the three of them – they again, they embrace like yeah. all three of them embrace in the middle of like the town park thing. Yeah, <laughs> and I like it was just I haven't seen that in other apocalypse movies. No, well, and mind you, I this, thought that was interesting. This is could be a bit of a cultural thing because this like in American apocalypse because that's what we get a lot of. Yeah, is it's all guns and machismo and yeah. cannibals and every man for himself. All manner yeah. of you know survivalists not trusting anyone and shooting people and stuff mm. like. And I'm trying to picture that happening in Australia, and I was like, "Um, like I know Jeff next door. He's mm. nice, yeah, yeah." And like the guys across the way there, I don't talk to them, but 
I couldn't imagine them pulling out a machete yeah, yeah. and going and, apocalyptic. And remember, um, is it was it Shanghai Fortress? Is that the one? Yeah, yeah. Um, with a space, the the force field yeah, over and, Shanghai. Yeah. yeah, and remember that they they kind of we were finding that culturally it was interesting that they were kind of collectively working together. Yeah, constantly, constantly working together. Like it wasn't about every man for himself. They were just constantly working together. Yeah, and there was the same with the wandering earth. <laughs> the wandering earth, which is also just simple, yeah. Everything comes together. And everyone works towards a purpose. Everyone works yeah. towards a goal. And so I have a feeling this is uh, this New Zealand and and somewhat Australian because I've seen it in a couple of other Australian science fiction mm. where there's more community more, idea. More, Gentle communication, yeah. Like it's it's not immediately grab gun. What are you doing? Get out of here! Wah, 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 wah. Blow your head off. Yeah. It's it's more kind of even where there is a bit of suspicion. Mm. Like with Arpy, he has a gun. He's not like rough and Zach up, and Zach's not like looking for a way to kill Arpy. He's no. just it's just kind of you know there's a bit of a tense standoff, and then you know Arpy sort of puts the you know he's not sure, and then when he hears the radio that yeah there's just these are the only two people, and mm. he goes oh. Yeah. He drops the gun and he just yeah. walks in and goes, okay, I don't have to protect myself. This is sweet. And that's what I mean. What you were saying, I think that's what the filmmaker is sort of talking about here is like the importance of what what is important, you know, this huge international collective Green military project, yeah. project that maybe has wiped out humanity and then what's left is a, just a few humans and what really is important, you know, and yeah. it's like, well, yeah, you've been, if, if a human is alone for long enough, well, they're just kind of going to wither and die. We're, we're supposed to be with other humans, you know. It's, it's You mentioned COVID. So, I mean, that was, that's really something my wife and I talked about a lot with COVID is you've kind of lost uh, the community aspect a bit, you know. And I think now, now it's been a couple of years past COVID and things have calmed down, people are ready to really get out in the community and they mm. want more community stuff, you know. So we're in a bit of a process of... We have gone through this in a way, you know, we were forced into isolation and we know how important it is for everyone's mental and physical health to actually get back out and be in community, you know. If you remember the M. Night Shyamalan film, Old, that baby dies on the beach because of attention, no attention. Yeah. Because, you know, in the baby's life, whatever it was, a week went past in a few seconds and it died because no one held it. Yeah. So as humans, we need to be held. And this that's what this film is doing as well. They, they embrace each other after being alone. And it's funny it's like, that my, we're not alone. <laughs> my wife and I spoke about this and, and we talk about with like some of these uh, apocalypse films where 99% of the population wiped out by a disease, for example. Mm. So there's not zombies running around. Yeah. There's just, there's just like dead. a contagion type thing, yeah, yeah. you know. And we've often gone, oh, geez, that'd be nice. <laughs> I mean, not for the people to die. No. We're like, we don't want that. But, but for the fact that you could just be there... And, you know, not be surrounded by people constantly doing, you know why we can't have nice things? Yeah. Because people. Yeah. <laughs> We're the reason we can't have nice things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, and and each, that is true. And each of us thinks it's other people right. that causes the problem. Yeah, yeah. But that can't be true, can it? No. It can't always be everyone else that's causing the problem. We must. Oh, it can. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's everyone like, else. It's like everyone else on the road is a bad driver. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And you just think, well, but they all think that too. So yeah. who's right? You know? Yeah. But we, we've, we've often thought that, you know, we'd be like, it'd be nice, you know, just such oh, a yeah. simple lifestyle, subsistence. It would kind of be a bit hard, but it'd yeah. be, it's, they always, you know, in the shows they would try to make out like it's some horror. We've lost everything. No, you haven't. What are you talking about? You know? But uh, this is a different scenario. Yeah. Which I thought, because we, we were talking about that, oh, it'd be kind of nice. And we said, well, it's like when I work from home, 
my wife doesn't come in and bother me much. Mm. Um, sometimes every now and then she'll, she'll come in and say something or she's got to do something in the room, whatever. Yeah. But it's just like just knowing that she's in the house That's right. is comforting. Yeah. And when, you know, she often goes out shopping or she's walking dogs or whatever, I'm by myself and it can feel a bit lonely after, you know, after about four hours or so of me just wandering about the house knowing I'm by myself. Mm. It's, yeah, it's kind of lonely. So I can imagine, yeah, it's, it's an interesting study then on it loneliness, is. I guess. It is. Mm. So what makes this a science fiction film? Science fiction. Could we makes still this... make this film without the sci-fi element? No, because you'd have to substitute with another sci-fi element. So you'd have to have <laughs> like a world contagion. Yeah. Or you'd have to have uh, aliens um, abducting everyone. Yeah. Or you'd have to have something because what, what we're doing here, of course, we could sort of explore similar themes where people maybe got shipwrecked on an island. Yeah, castaway. Castaway. But yeah. castaway, on the other hand, though, he knows the whole rest of the world is out there yeah, he's and the rest of his life and he, he, he's trying to get to them. Mm. This, there is nobody else out and there. And it took him a lot longer to descend into madness, didn't it, in Castaway? Well, <laughs> yeah, I think... Before he could start talking to Wilson. Well, and I think that's because he knew <laughs> that he wasn't... Yeah. You know, he, he had a, a difficult situation. He was more like stuck in a prison. Zach, Zach has got an absolutely hopeless situation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think, yeah, so it's science fiction because, again, what it's done is let's look at, you know, how we would feel about being responsible for a tragedy and how would we feel about maybe dying or not. Mm. But then you're going to amp that up to 11, of course, because you're going to say, well, let's literally make this a world-ending event yeah. that this guy feels he's probably responsible for. Let's, you know, have RP get possibly murdered by his good friend mm. whose wife you know, was romantically interested in RP. You know, like, let's like really do that. But then, of course, they all managed to come back. Or did they? We don't yeah. know. Um, so, yeah, and, and you can't do that without invoking magic or science fiction. Mm. And in this case, they chose science fiction. They did. Rather than some sort of – it's still just a hand wave, though, isn't it? There's not much of a difference in practicality. No, they tried to explain. There was a few explanations, but of the science in this film as well, wasn't there? You know, yes. so even with the fish, they sort of explained why there was maybe some fish babies post post event. Mm. He was continuously, you know, sort of deciphering what he had been working on, and the fact that that probably did cause the event. Yes, and so they weren't trying to be, uh, you know, a magical wand. Just the sun flared up and abracadabra yeah the whole planets disappeared it was actually that there was some sort of basis of science in the explanation and then even when he was when when we're heading towards more the third act you know he's monitoring things isn't he he's Mm. recording scientifically he's trying to figure it out and he's he's measuring the sun isn't he you know and he's like and he's saying oh things are changing you know so there was too many elements of this plot that actually tried to explain science in it. And the, the ultimate ending was driven by that yeah. science. Yeah, that's right, as well, because he wanted to Which destroy course, the machine. I love the way he's trying to put forth the argument saying, you know, it, it could not be that, yeah, maybe it's not that, it could be these <laughs> other sort of things. Yeah. And then the other, the other two guys, Arpi and Joanna, sort of doubting his yeah. commitment to it, he says, uh, yeah, no, not really. <laughs> I think it was the grid. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go blow it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a good scientist, he actually was like, well, there is other hypotheses. Oh, there. yeah, there's yeah, other entirely possible things but yeah. let's let's blow this thing up because it's yeah. it's probably that 
It's a better ending anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so just to deviate a little bit, any science fiction creative projects you're working on yourself, sorry? At the uh, yeah, I'm rewriting Act 1 of my book, mm-hmm. which is nice. Cool. So I've, I've managed to, thanks to my dissection of all of these movies over these past years, yes. come upon a, um, a, a new way of approaching my book, which is good. Yep. Uh, I've got, um, as I said, I think previously my, my son and I are working on a, a new website development business, which is nice. On rewriting, I mean, Sylvester Stallone, who wrote Rocky. Yes. Uh, you know, and he wrote other stuff. He wrote, he had a couple of published novels out there and he's written uh, other scripts and he's been involved in writing of other films that he's been in. You know, he his writing technique was just right. He knew as he was writing, 90% of what he was writing was not really right. Mm. But he just wrote it anyway, knowing that then he would rewrite it. Yes, and uh, Aaron Sorkin, Oscar, Oscar-winning screenwriter, says, "Write your draft and then rewrite it. Just rewrite the whole thing again. You'll realize in the second version what is actually important yeah, and what I mean, is not important." That's pretty much what we're doing with there. Yeah. And yourself, speaking of rewriting, are you up to rewriting your script? Not rewriting. No, I'm in the fun bit, the writing bit. That's the first bit where you think it's all great. <laughs> yeah, great. yeah. So I think I've been mentioning I'm. Um, Heading towards writing this feature, low budget feature, but I'm also just writing my short films. Um, so yeah, written out another little uh, horror, more of a horror than a sci-fi the other day on Saturday morning. So that was really good. But I'm keeping to my every Saturday morning. I'm going to the library and doing about three hours of writing. Ah, good. So I've got that rhythm, which is what I was doing a couple of years ago. It was pre-COVID. I had a good rhythm going on. So. Um, thanks to my supportive wife who's kind of go get out the door, go do it, which is really great. And then also on my morning train rides, probably two out of the five days I'm kind of actually writing. You know, mm. the other days I'm doing stuff with Space Brains and other things, but trying to, again, kind of had it. And I had the experience, and this, this is something that I think most writers have, uh, I think it was about a week ago that I really hopped on and I didn't feel like writing, but I made myself... Right, and this is on a train, so it's not necessarily the. I know Stephen King's not big on this. He he sort of is more like, no, you should sit at a desk. You know, you should sit down. With a bottle of whiskey and a half kilo of cocaine. (laughs) Well, he did in the eighties, but he you know he doesn't do now. But he but you know he he was more like, do it. You need you need a space. But anyway, I also believe you use what you got. So, but I had that experience the other day. I think it was last, might have been last Wednesday actually, and um, hopped on. The train ride's about an hour to, uh, from Mandra to Perth and I tried to start riding and maybe I was a bit distracted and I couldn't quite get into it but I kind of just was like, nah, just keep going. You know, this is your time to ride. Yeah, and then maybe after about 10, 15 minutes started riding and then it kind of really, then it just like flowed. Mm. And by the time I got to Perth, I actually was very much like, oh, wow, that was actually quite a good experience, you know, but it, and it... What I was kind of happy with myself is I did persevere. I pushed through that first 10 to 15 minutes was pretty damn uncomfortable. Like there's 101 distractions, right? Like you could go on your phone, you could watch your Netflix, you can, you know, you're listening to music, you can just look out the window. There's some beautiful scenery. There's interesting people that hop on the train, you know, if you really look at people. But I pushed through all that and the next thing you know, I had words on the page and I didn't really want to stop, you know. Um, I've had that so, experience as well where I've, I've gone and go, ah, and I sort of look at, you know, chapter 15, you look at it and go, ah, just, hmm. And so then I, I've usually what I do there is like a, I've got like a, an ideas pad or like a folder I put. So I'll start putting some ideas in there and then 
yeah, like I said, about 10, 15 minutes, you sort of warm up to it. Mm, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, oh, actually, no, that's what I should do. And you jump back on yeah, it, yeah. chapter 15, brrr, yeah. and you start powering out. Yeah, so I think there's always a good lesson there that it is, whether it's ideas or not, and, you know. And, again, going back to even when I've had my three hours at the library, I know sometimes that's quite painful and other times you're in that zone. Mm. Wish we could be in the zone every time, but it's yeah, not the case. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> uh, and anyway, the festival is getting closer and closer. Yes, for those who are just joining us, we run the Space Brain Science Fiction Film Festival here in Mandra, sunny Mandra. Yeah. Uh, it is a science fiction film festival uh, as in a type of competition. Because I know that some people refer to simply a screening of existing films as a film festival, which it is. Yeah. But this is a new short films and feature film Science fiction competition. It is. You have the chance to win a pretty cool science fiction Space Brains trophy unique to that category. We do short films, we do music videos, we do uh, feature films and uh, the best of the best get chosen for screenings on a nice big cinema screen. Right, the the, the Reading (laughs) Cinema in Mandra. Mandra and with the live audience. Uh, and this year we're going to have a keynote presentation before by the one and only Luke Spark. Luke Spark, who's uh, got his new op- his new occupation, Rainfall. I think that's coming rain- in Netflix in America. Yeah, it got some cinema screens as well. It did, and yeah. uh, it's I mean it's it's a real crack of a Australian sci-fi mixing like Independence Day and. Star Wars yeah, sort of would not idea. be an uncommon sort of comparison. Again, it's sort of an apocalyptic world, yeah, isn't it? Like because the aliens invasion. have taken over and yeah. people have left. The, you know, their cities are burnt to the There's ground. There's a sequel to that stuff. film coming out uh, at some point in the next few years, I think. There is, yeah. He's yeah. working on that. So, uh, yeah, we've got him doing a bit of a keynote before the screenings, telling us a bit about you know his career as a filmmaker, you know, filmmaking in general, science fiction. So he'll get to do that. And then we'll go through the films and award the best of the best. Earlier in the day, we're also going to have a couple of really meaty, lengthy workshops. Yes, we got two because uh, we did a, a bunch of shorter workshops last year. We did. And they were awesome. Yeah. They brought together some great talent there. This time we've got some people want a bit more hands-on. Mm-hmm. So our podcasting workshop, which we open with, is going to be going for a couple of hours. It's a chance to record, edit, upload, produce, create a podcast. Ooh, What's involved exciting. in doing that? Yeah. The, there'll be some demonstration of what technology can be used that sort of thing. Yeah. And then we, after our lunch break, we have Stephen Dedman, who's a uh, he's a writing instructor, teacher mm-hmm. at Murdoch. He's also a published author of various short uh, anthologies of and uh, novels of science fiction, dark fantasy, verging some horror elements. Yeah, he's he's done a lot That's of that funny. Yeah, in yeah, his no, long well and storied career. Yeah. And so he's going to be presenting a writing workshop, which he guarantees will be hands-on. You will yeah. be doing some writing. Cool. You will be learning something. I will be writing. Ah, uh, yeah. I'll be <laughs> I'll be in that sitting at the table too. Me um, too. Lest yeah. we sell out all our tickets and I'm sort of outside, leaning in the door, watching. I think we're in there, aren't we? We're, we're in there. Can't we squeeze we're, in? We can do. There's only limited. <laughs> or do we seating. have to buy a seat? <laughs> there's, there's limited seating in there, yeah, and, okay. and if we sell out, well, who knows. I think we. I think we're allowed on the side. I, I think we can. We can probably sneak. And talk in to there. the promoters. Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, so you can still submit your film. It's getting very close to the oh, end man, of that. Oh, man, we're going to have to select all so these films soon. if you're really, you know, editing at that final degree, submit via Film Freeway. The deadline is coming up, to, and that's it for 2023. Uh, and then very soon we'll announce tickets for sale for the workshops, the festival all-day kind of ticket options. So just stay tuned to the socials for that. Stay tuned. So let's get into some act two of the episode tonight where we go into a little bit more detail on plot and talk about some of our experience on uh, narrative and symbolism and camera and lighting and just things that stood out to us throughout the quiet earth and um, and then also move on to talking about some science in it in some more details. So this film was directed by Jeff Murphy and, as I mentioned before, Bill Bear, Bruno, Lawrence and... Uh, Seth, Sam, sorry, Sam Pillsbury, or wrote the screenplay based on a book, The Quiet Earth, by Craig Harrison. It starred Bruno Lawrence, one of the writers. Yeah. Uh, Alan Rutledge, Peter, and Peter Smith. And it came out in 1985 in the US, Did was filmed in New Zealand, and had a pretty, I think, decent budget for 1985 of 600,000 New Zealand. We'd probably equate that to a couple of mil these days. So I think mm. around... You know, the same here in Australia, most feature films, you take Luke Spark, like his first occupation, I think it was $1.5 million uh, was the budget. So, you know, um, yeah, if you you know, t- you know think about a couple of mil for a feature film in Australia and New Zealand, is pretty going average. And then we start to top that up for the bigger films. So, yeah, and uh, did do reasonably well at the time. Don't have any box office. Sorry, box office-wise, returned that money as well. So I think it did okay. The timing. That, that's well. I mean, uh, the old director that he went on to do Dante's Peak and yeah. Under Siege Two. Yeah, so. I don't remember that one. Or Under Siege One, I do remember. That was it's on a train. Oh, Actually, I think it's train. on a train. It's the one on the train. Yeah. I, I have seen that one. Yeah, oh it is goodness. the one on the train. Oh, yeah. there you go. So anyway, yeah, he he went on like so. They definitely both those films had much bigger budgets. Yeah, I mean. Why not? You Why got, not? had Pierce Brosnan in Dante's Peak, I think. Yeah, I quite I quite liked Dante's Peak, to be honest. Yes. I thought it was a good film at the time. And anyway, we do like to break our narrative down into some common elements that you can find from all good story and script writing teachers and just good story. So people like Campbell, Schneider, McPhee, Field, these are all script writing teachers that talk about the concept of a three-act structure, which then gets broken down into some specific moments or beats or scenes that we can kind of plot throughout a story. So what happens in that first act? Sorry. First act is all about introductions. But something I was actually talking about with my wife about, we watched a film, Battle Angel Alita, oh. which is a film based off an anime based off a manga. <laughs> okay, so it's, it's a pretty cool film. Yeah. We, it finished and my wife said, ah, oh, is there a sequel to this or something? Like it feels a bit, Unfinished. you know, unclosed. Mm. And I sort of thought, and I said, well, actually, it's, it's a very Japanese ending. Like this, mm. this is comes from the anime, and they tend to do things like this because yeah. they're they're not following the same Western tradition. But I had to think about it, and it comes down to here. So in Act One, you have the opening image, mm-hmm. which is sometimes it is literally just a static image, but it's just the the very first sort of bit of information that you visually see and the feeling you get. Yeah. And then at the very end, we talk about the closing image. And Battle Angel Alita did not bookend. Mm-hmm. So the opening image is very good for establishing the world and the rules of that world and the tone and the feeling and perhaps maybe a bit of theme going in there. But it also comes important as 
setting a stage for how the ending will play off in order to give that conclusion. Yeah. So I thought, I thought that was an interesting insight they had there. So the opening image here, so go watch Battle Angel later. It's, mm. it's well worth the watch. It's pretty cool. But notice how it leaves you at the end feeling on edge. Yeah. Uh, so the opening image, this will, yeah, as I said, introduce the world and so forth. We, we meet the characters. So in the first 10, 12 minutes, we're going to see a bit of some of the routine or, or yeah, sometimes it's not terribly routine. It could no. be like James Bond. There's like an action scene at yeah. the very start. <clears throat> But in any case, that sets up. That's James Bond's life. Yeah, he's he, always covered he skis, in action. He's uh, with people shooting and helicopters, and he goes off a cliff, and a <laughs> big Union Jack parachute pops out. So we've been told he's proudly British. He's a bit of an action go-getter. He's highly he's a tough skilled. Guy, he's high, yeah. And that's and that's your opening image there. Yeah. Uh, and then of course you have to have the inciting incident. So not too long after that, you need the audience to know where the film's going. Mm. So you might you might say, this James Bond, we'll do a slightly alternate James Bond here where there's someone doing something quite uh, an ordinary action sequence. Maybe they're stopping a bank robbery. And then let's say one of the bank robbers, you know, starts firing a weird laser zappy gun, mm. which just totally destroys the armoured car and blows up the, 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 the police, police yeah. helicopter and stuff. And, and the main character sort of falls down and goes... You know, uh, holy crap! I've been cut off from my unit, and and you know the the, the bad guys are now got free reign. What am I going to do? And that's the thing, because as the audience member, you've, you've, you're thinking, oh yeah, okay, he's busting up a bank robbery. Fine, okay, where's this going? Yeah, yeah. And then this pops out, and as the audience member, you go, holy moly, he's going to have to find out where that gun came from. That was science fictiony. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to have to, you know, he's been cut off like his. Um, his radio has all been destroyed and, and the, the, well, the police vehicles around him are all destroyed. So he's going to have to somehow, I guess, chase the bad guys or maybe get back to his, you know, like you, you know what's going to happen. You know what you're expecting here. You're expecting mm-hmm. a bit of a chase, a bit of excitement. Uh, and that's what that inciting incident has to do. It has to have you give that direction, uh, which is a plot point, And the plot is what gives you direction and drive for the story elements. Yep. But before we reach the end of Act 1, the main character has to debate a little bit. Mm. You know, will he... Just maybe wait for the ambulances to arrive and the helicopters to come in and pick him up? Or will he know that the bad guys are heading directly towards, you know, this major sports stadium? And he's, like, concerned that if there's a shootout there, there's, gonna, you know, there's, a, there's a thing going on there. There's tens of thousands of people there. Mm. So should he go try and single-handedly chase these guys down and discover the origin of this futuristic weapon? Mm. Or should he just sort of wait for the ambulance to come pick him up, mm. which might be too late? Yeah. And of course, that's the debate. And we are presented with that because we need to see all the options arrayed. And often this is a chance maybe to present a bit of stakes. So, you know, he goes, oh, I could just sit around and wait. But tens of thousands of people could be in trouble. But maybe he's got a pregnant wife at home. So if he risks... Two, he's two days to retirement. Yeah, one of those ones. <laughs> <laughs> Something on those lines. Yeah. He's, he, he's two there days is. away from paternity leave. Yeah. <laughs> Because he has just had a newborn baby, that's it. And his paternity leave end starts on on the Monday. Yeah, that's right. Um, and this is this, this is the is Friday final it's happened. shift. So he's, so he's got like two days to solve this yeah. if he chooses to start solving it. Yeah, yeah. And there's it, also a risk factor there if he dies. There's a risk, you know. Like, a bit wild. We're getting mistakes, yeah. and that leads into Act Two because he does decide. He goes, "No, damn it! How could I be a good father? How could I enjoy my paternity leave and you know all that luxury time you get when you've just got little babies?" Uh, <laughs> and and when 
I know I've let all of these people down. Yeah. You know, I've got to be a good role model because, and here's the kicker, because my dad was just a oh, he's an stinking asshole. loser. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, why not? And and if he, you know, they've got laser guns, if he lets them get away, they're going to just get away, aren't they? Uh, like, they're, they're cop killers. They, they, yeah. they can, can't be stopped. They can't be stopped with lasers. He's got a chance. Yeah. And so, yeah, he chooses Act 2. He chooses to continue the story. He does. Which is great. And that's what Act 2 does. It's really funny. They call it funny games, like the trailer that you see when you go to the cinemas. It's the selling point of the story. So this detective who's got everything to lose by risking himself chasing these supernatural bank robbers, but he goes on that journey anyway. He and does. as an audience, we're like, woohoo, let's go for it, you know. so Because we're going we're to see some chasing. Yeah. There's going to be some shooting going on. Yeah, so, and, um, you know, so the... the this is what he does. He chases them and they've got lasers, but they've got other technology as well. Maybe they've got flying scooters. They've got uh, hot dog fingers. Hot dog <laughs> that kind fingers. of idea, you know. They're, they're, they've, got, they've got superpowers. And I guess what probably needs to happen here as well in the fun and games is maybe he manages to capture or corner one of them and, of course, he gets the gun or he gets some sort of um, well, power perhaps, from Perhaps them. this is the B stories. He, yeah. he meets one of these guys who is a, is a rebel from the, the bad yeah, guys. He goes, right, yeah. actually, you ask, it was all fun and games when we were just kind of like threatening people and taking their money. Yeah. But this has kind of gone too far. I needed the money, you know, because my family's going to get deported if I can't afford yeah. a lawyer. So that's I right. signed on for the job and I don't want to go back to Australia because that's where he's from. Uh, just in case you're from anywhere else. He's, yeah. Yeah, he's an Australian in Canada and he doesn't want to get deported because Canada's no, lovely. <laughs> and, and yeah, and so begrudgingly he does share some of his powers. Mm. And, and that'll be good because that also then will start showing us a bit more at what maybe is at stake. Yeah. Because we, we sort of only get a little insight from what this guy knows. And it turns out this guy doesn't really know all that much. No. He's, no. he's, he's sort of just a hired-on peripheral That's right. member. But he's, he's got a bit of technology. He's got a bit he's of He's got tech. a bit of fun and games of it, right? Yeah, like the, yeah. It's the Spider-Man shooting webs and learning how to use the, look, the string. I, I reckon you know? that, like, that first that is, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man yeah. film is just a study yeah. in the 16-bit beat three-act structure. Totally is. And that, even what you were just saying, like he's going to be handed this powerful technology straight away it's like well with great power yeah, here we <laughs> comes go. great responsibility right like so he's got this kind of you know special um gadgets gizmos whatever and this guy this guy that can also explain that that there's actually more stakes here that mm. this this is alien technology and they are stealing the gold because the alien spaceship has run out of gold which is their Fuel and they're actually fueling a a, a weapon. Uh, well, yeah, right? the and that weapon will the... be re- returned to annihilate humans or something. Right, oh, so the big there's a whole another kind of, yeah. you know, like there's now a stake. So, there, so the point of that is that's what we call is the midpoint. So he's had a bit of fun. He's he's done a bit of the kind chase. of as an audience as well. There's some chasing. There's some flying scooters. There's this kind of weird B character that's a little bit kooky and gives him the technology but now things are serious because also if well if the aliens are going to annihilate the planet well what about his newborn baby well see this is it the midpoint of course you've got to start having the bad guys closing in so some aliens start to because the moment we're just dealing with some human agents who are just doing it yeah for the money and and shits and giggles right and technology whatever. and a bit of technology because then they'll they don't realize that they're going to get wiped out as well no 
But then we're going to see some of the aliens come. So this is this is ramps it up a bit yeah. because we got oh yeah the bad guys criminals with the tech dangerous. Now we see some aliens come down yeah. knowing how to use the tech yeah. to its and fullest. There's got to be that scene where you know the the bank robbers are actually annihilated by the aliens as they mm. give them the gold because that's a double that's, crossing. You know, that, and because that's a, that's a ratcheting up of the stakes, it, isn't it? It's yeah. like. Yeah, so they were really tough and they took out all those cops and stuff. And then the aliens just come and wipe them wipe out. Wipe them out. And you they, just go, ooh. They ooh, can they're... turn the guns and blow up their hands or whatever. Just turn them into sausages. <laughs> <they're> too, yeah, <laughs> turn them into sausages or something like that. Anyway, so he knows now he's, he's uh, you know, at the stakes and um, maybe the cops are also actually closing in, which is great. But then he knows, well, they're too powerful in here. They're just going to so wipe out. The cops are all going to be killed. They're all going to be killed. So, you know, he's got to go out there and warn them. But give away, you know, the secret that he's got a laser gun as well or whatever. So yeah, this is kind of heading in, and then and then you know, his buddy partner has to come in and kind of you know give him maybe something that he didn't give him in the first place, yeah. which is kind of like a little extra pat on the butt. Pat, on, that's right. A Meta- little extra, metaphorically you know, speaking. Yeah, yeah, metaphorically, but maybe also symbolically, a little extra pat on the butt, and that kind of is the superpower of the laser gun or whatever. But in doing that, he's exposed himself, and of course, the aliens shoot that buddy dead. Uh, yeah, so we yes. have this, like, you know, something has because he has to enter the secret code into the gun to unlock yeah, its full potential. That's right. But that set off the tracking beacon on him. Yeah, and idea. so the aliens destroy his buddy. He gets out. And, you know, now it's sort of almost the reverse, right? The aliens are hunting him. And yeah. so he's got to kind of like, got to warn everyone to get out of the way. He's got to kind of, you know, maybe there is a big football he's, he's match He's got to find a on. phone to tell his wife that he might be a little bit late for his <laughs> first day of paternity right. leave. Yeah, typical, but, typical excuse. But also way. at the same time, go to your mum's place yeah, out of Warner, town. Warner. And so I suppose, that, yeah, we need something here that's going to, Get him to the bottom, but isn't it as well? We need we need him well, to need bottom a thunderstorm. out. Thunderstorm. We need him to yeah. We go race to the so police he's precinct. His wife, but he's racing to the police precinct to to save his to tell his buddies to you know don't close in. Yeah, yeah. And the aliens are coming at the same time, and he rounds the corner and he calls to his buddy. Says, "Hey, you guys, yeah. you got to stop doing that." And zap. Yeah, the whole thing. The whole thing. Goes up, turns into goose, ooze. There's explosions and yeah. smoke, and he's separated. And he he thinks that they're dead, mm. but maybe his buddy isn't. Maybe the other yeah. cops. Maybe someone got out. Yeah. But in any case, he knows that uh, he realizes that the gun that he's been using, the aliens have been tracking that and yeah. listen to him. So they, he goes, "Oh no, I'm probably at fault for this as well." And maybe he's under a bit of rubble, and the gun that that laser gun that they were tracking has been flung out of his hand mm. and it's, you know, across the road. And as he's taken in this big violent scene, one of those aliens picks up that, his gun, yes. his laser, and takes it away. So yeah. now he doesn't have And the then power. it starts raining and he's on the side of the road. <laughs> That's right. Wondering. Doesn't have his wallet. <laughs> doesn't have his wallet. <laughs> doesn't he, have a phone. He called his wife, but he can't find out whether she got out okay Whether she or got not. out okay. Or if she's still ordering Uber Eats because yeah. she's waiting for the Uber Eats guy to turn up. And oh, and actually I missed, I missed this point as well. That, yeah, his wallet and phone. The alien picks up his wallet and so he knows his home address. He's <sighs> heading to his home address. Oh, my God. So now he doesn't know. Like he's got no ability to get anywhere. And uh, they, he thinks, well, they might get his baby and child and blah, blah, blah. So this this is rock well. So we're going to have to go into Act 3 here, but we need a little bit of inspiration. We do. And I'm thinking he remembers the uh, bit of information that his 
B story, mm. gave him just before he died, which didn't make any sense at the time. But now he's saying that his, his men were thinking of stashing some of their gold at the old quarry mm. because the, you know, that would be very secure there. And he goes, mm. hang on, if that's so secure... They thought it would protect them from the aliens. There must be something there. Yeah, right. And so I've got this new mission. I'm going to go there and get whatever it is that was going to protect them from the aliens and use it against mm. the yeah. aliens. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe he needs to swing past old dad's place because dad was a useless dad. Well, he needs a vehicle. He, ne- he needs a and bit he, of help. And he knows his dad has got like a, an old reliable yeah. Ford, Ford. Pickup truck, pickup truck thing, thing yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't really run; just runs on gas, you know. Like it's oh, petrol. It's just and it blows smoke. It, it's just it just runs in this age of lasers and that. It's the opposite. Yes, and and it, and it makes you harken back to a simple time. It does when cars really weren't very reliable at all. Mm. Uh, but we forget about that part and think that they were very reliable. We do. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, so he has to. He does have to swing past his dad's place. Yeah, has to swing past because dad just lives near the precinct. He used to be an old cop or whatever, oh, yeah, or, you yeah, know, all that sort of thing comes yeah, up. He never said he was proud of him. No, and so and he doesn't want to lend him his truck. Yeah, no. he does. He doesn't want to. So this is the thing. He's got to kind of like muster up all the plan and energy and every everything that's sort of gone wrong in his life to confront the dad to get the truck to get to this gold mine to and get dad, the weapon to then you get can, there to save you can the have day. the truck but I'm driving it yeah. because I don't trust you that's right and yeah so so now it's him and his dad driving to the old quarry uh, where old man withers no where <laughs> where there's something that's going to make them secure he yeah. doesn't really know what it is it's a MacGuffin it's just going to be like, what it's it a briefcase that glows when you open it that's right but it's going to protect him from it's the aliens. kryptonite, right? Like yeah. it's just something that stops the aliens in their tracks. Yeah, so yeah, they're going to go there. That's And that's Act 3. Yeah. So Act 3 then is where we have the plan, the gathering of resources, mm. the setting in motion of that act, yeah. of the action in order to have a final confrontation. Yeah. The final confrontation always has a hiccup. So yeah. The plan, he gets the car, they get to the quarry, mm. they get... The thing, mm. like maybe it's some sort of a device, a uh, you know, galactic gateway closer mechanism. Got no idea how it works. No idea how it works, but you know, it, it doesn't matter. It looks like it kind of works, but yeah. it's got an on switch sort of thing. Uh, and they go, okay, so we just have to set this off, and they start going through trying to get it to work. And then we're going to have a re- reversal here. We can't, because if you just press the button and the aliens will go away and everything goes back happy yeah. again, you feel a bit empty. You go, well, hang on, there's a big build-up. Mm. So you've got, you've got to have a reversal. And all, all these movies have this reversal yeah. where the hero has to learn something special, mm. something new. And I, it's got to be about his dad yeah, because he's, he's got father issues, yeah, which is why he nearly became a stripper. <laughs> uh, in fact... He wore a police uniform on his way to be his first to his first strip. That's right. That's right. But then he looked at the the badge and thought, you know what? I can show my dad I'm a better cop than he was. That's right. He still strips because it's fun. You know, I mean, why not? That's it. It's but gonna he, make money. But he does, well, he doesn't take any money for it. He just says, I'm just doing this for the fun. That's it. He goes to set off this this device, and an alien comes in and like steps on it, crushes it, and he goes, Oh my god! Well, that's kind of screwed that up. Yeah. Uh, and he's, you know, there's a bit of a tussle and a fight. And then... Uh, and his know, dad comes out and kind of, you know, the old shotgun blows the aliens. Get the hell away from my yeah. son. It just blows his head off, I would, I would imagine, yes, at this point yes. in time. And it kind of works, but then the alien's head grows back. Grows and back. And he blows his dad 
out of the water. Mm. And so then they, and then, you know, he, this broken machine in front of him, he's got to go, well, brute force doesn't work, but if I kind of click these things together, the magical pieces. Oh, you know you what? Know, like the magical comes... pieces saying the aliens have their special, like, you know, take control of the technology. Bit. Yeah. So he, he actually takes it and lures the alien into taking the tech off him. Yeah. He sort of holds and goes, ha-ha, I've got this, I'll teach you. And he goes, ha-ha, you don't know what that is. And alien picks it up and sort of repairs it. Re- like Works it, yeah. He turns it on and goes, oh, you haven't even activated it yet. And that's when the last, he goes, he pulls out his dad's shotgun. Yeah. He goes, activate this. And <laughs> knocks, knocks the, you know, shoots the alien's head off again. Yeah. But this time, John lunges forward and presses the button and... Blip. Actually, something happens. Yeah, the aliens, aliens destroy. Hand wave, yeah. go away. Because for some reason, you always have these invading forces and stuff that can be defeated by one person doing one simple thing. That's right. Uh, but he turns to his father. His father's dying, oh, yeah. and his father says, "Look, I kind of was proud of you. Yeah, you, you turned out all you right. You turned out all right at the end of the I'm day. Sorry, Just I wasn't don't... there for your son's birth. Yeah, that's right. Something like that. Bullshit, right? Yeah. And then, uh, and he thinks, well, okay, there's a little win. But then when he turns around, the other alien's got his wife and baby. Oh no! Yeah, how's he get out of that though? Yeah, well he's got to he's got to figure out a way to get to get the wife and baby and destroy the alien all in one. I, does he just do like an impassioned play, like having learnt that his dad? Yeah, ne- about like, the father. His 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 dad never fully expressed no. the way he felt, and like he goes, "Well, I've been doing the same thing." And while he expresses all this, you know, the alien kind of, you know supernatural being kind of realises, oh, this guy kind of is an actual, the you know, the alien sees humanity. They see humanity. They see, because they were just dealing with bank robbers to start with. Oh, yeah. Well, they thought it was, it was yeah. just, you know, warlike, crazy people. Yeah. Turns well, out- and also he realises, the alien realises that behind him is actually pretty much all of Earth's gold was being stockpiled yeah. in this quarry. Yes. So I think the alien's distracted. Because yeah. oh yeah, never. No, I saw humanity. Beautiful. Move out of the way. You got all this gold. Yes. Yeah. Actually, we don't need to uh, destroy you guys. We can just take this. <laughs> we'll just take all this. This Thank is you. fine. Yeah. It's yeah. not really valuable. I mean, people think it's valuable, but we just, just tell people we still have it all here. Yeah. And that's as good as actually having it all here. No one really wants the gold. No. We just need to think that you've got the gold. Yeah, that's right. Because how much how much gold does our bank actually have that we bank with? Like, I don't know. Who probably knows? none. None. Who knows. The but they tell us they've got plenty, so yeah. that's good. But then maybe he double crosses them and ch- chucks in the laser self destruct oh, weapon, and now he knows that he, he packs that into the gold, right? Okay, so, so we don't, into the gold barrel. So, so we don't have a friendly. <laughs> no, we don't have a friendly. No, 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 no. It's still going to be the ending. It, take, it good, takes up the. the I think the alien drugs. would double cross them and take the gold and turn around with big claws and want to rip off the baby's yeah, face. Yeah, I guess so. But we get to the. This is the the closing image. So let's let's have like another. Bank robbery, similar, except sure. then what's going to happen is it's going to pull back. It's actually just on the TV. Yeah. And there is dad with a now older son mm. enjoying their favourite TV show together. Mm. So, yeah, and he's, yeah. yeah. So, so that's, that's, that's the bookend that makes you go, oh, okay, he's not repeating the mistakes of his father. Yes. And he's also not exposing himself to that terrible danger anymore. Yeah. He's now a, uh, you know, a forensic criminologist. <laughs> So Fair enough. Uh, yeah, a desk job. I think we need to probably brainstorm that a little bit yeah, I th- more. I think we this. need to, guys. Yeah. So we, we had a few themes wild in yeah, there. Yeah, they did. They but, did. yeah, we, we get going in there. We did. So let's see how this 
This works in with a real film. Yeah, so with The Quiet Earth, that opening image, we have a sun slowly rising into the sky. Yeah. Uh, we then have a man wake up naked in bed. With Great his, shot, helicopter his doodle shot. doodle flopping yeah. about. And my wife said, ooh, you don't see doodles very often on TV. You don't. I, I, you know, boobies, again, that, you see plenty of boobies, but very few doodles. You don't, you don't. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a good shot for a doodle because it's straight above it. Yeah. <laughs> it's an aerial helicopter shot looking down at this naked guy in bed. And, you know, the context isn't there, but he's kind of a bit of a miffed, depressed well, uh, you know, he goes thing, about the motions. One thing you note is his bed's just him in it. Yeah. There's clearly not a second person no, around. No, it's not like he's naked with a woman or anything. And he, he wanders out and does his normal routine. Just like a, yeah, yeah. pretty simple routine. Um, so what, what's the impression we get of the, in his life? Like, because we're being introduced to the world here. What, yeah. What are we learning about this character? I think it's a, he's like alone. He's a bit down. Yeah, he's not very happy with his life, I don't think. No, and um, he, he puts his suit on as a, you know, I suppose back in the 80s people wore suits. There's, they did a lot more in the 80s, the yeah. corporate world. Yeah, and, and so it's it's kind of, I think that was kind of his corporate armour. Yeah, it know? was, wasn't it? Because yeah. it's like, you know, uh, okay, he does run back to his bed and, cl- pardon me, he runs back to his bed and he clutches the sheets about him. So he's wondering yeah. about naked and then he notices that the TV and the radio stuff doesn't work and he, mm. he runs back, clutches it and he tries to phone people. And yeah, yeah. It's a bit weird that. But um, it does go to show that he's, he's vulnerable, I think. Very vulnerable, yeah. And then he goes, he falls back into his routine, gets all these bits and pieces on. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the whole idea there was the world is a bit cold and he is vulnerable. Like that's probably a really good word. But it doesn't, in the regular getting ready for work, you don't think anything's mm. that unusual. It's pretty much the same experience for him no, most you, days. You know that something's going to change. Yeah. Because as we say, the, the the opening image, the introductory part before the inciting incident, we're seeing what what's normal. Yeah. So it's sort of, yeah, it's got to give us a baseline. Yeah. And, and I think he, he's alone. This is what it was saying at the start there, right? Like that he is alone. And I think also... That was that was his world. He's alone. So, what's interesting then is what's the bookend at the end. So we'll come at the end. Like, is he alone at the end of this story, or not? You know. And so, yeah, let's have a look at that when we come at the end as well. So yeah. he starts on his own, lying in bed, depressed, vulnerable. You know, alone in this world. Does he kind of go out like that too? So we'll come back to that later. Because and we we learn there are no other characters. Yeah, then we this, learn this very is, rapidly. Because yeah, you know, we've got to be introduced to all the characters, but we we very quickly learn uh, over these minutes that there are no other characters. Yeah, as it's um, suspiciously lacking. There's now, kettles being left on. There's there's cars yeah. the side of the road. That the line marking machine has just <laughs> gone off. He goes to the petrol station, which is great. You know, just puts the petrol. Oh, okay, and then walks inside, rings the bell. Yeah. Rings the bell again, you know, for service. No one's there. Looks at the counter. There's that great shot. He looks at the. He doesn't go around the counter. Save the cat moment, right? Mm. Like he doesn't go and just rob. Like the first. Oh, no one's here. I'll just take some money. Yeah. Just take some snacks. No, no. He goes looking for the mechanic. Yeah. Looks under the toilet door. Yeah. You know, there's a car running as well in the garage. You know, so it's a bit alien. What's going on? It doesn't feel quite right. It's feeling yeah. quite eerie. And then, as you said, as he drives down the road. There's a truck in the middle of the road. There's the car that's veered off. And I do There's like a milkman truck. I, like, I think yeah. The the line marker. The line thing marker is just is driven green. off. Yeah, that's and weird. At some point, he turns off a kettle and he finds yeah. half-eaten breakfast on 
empty bed. Yeah. And so it's the whole thing, you, you know, that it's not just that there are no characters and it's not like everyone just sort of left. Yeah. It's like suddenly everyone has vanished. Everyone has vanished. Yeah. Like, and so, not long ago either, because like a kettle, what, takes a few minutes to boil? Yeah. So someone would have turned it on and then vanished. Yeah. Fascinating. So we, what about, um, so inciting incidents in this one here, as, as I say, it's sort of usually the point where as an audience, you get a feeling for where this film's going. Like mm. what's, what's going to, what are we going to discover? Yeah. Like what's the point? What's yeah. the point of the story, right? I think it's probably him. So then he goes to work and he realizes that the guy at work is burnt or radioactive no, or he's something. lumpy. He's not nice. Yeah. And he's like, oh, the project must have worked or something, you yeah, stupid. You know, like he kind of... What, did I write what he wrote down? No. And so I think there's that scene and there's an explosion there and he kind of has to break out of the facility. So we learn, we learn that he's some sort of scientist who was mm. part of this experiment, which again gives us another character trait, like he's a scientist. Yeah. But then I think really the inciting incident is probably after that, that is, yeah, he is here on his own. This project has annihilated or made the human race disappear, and so then the inciting incident to me is what 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 if you were alone? What if yeah. this character is totally alone in the world? What do you do? Yeah, uh, and and I think I think we did have a bit of a debate about that about what he should do. You know, yeah, he, yeah. he asks people to call him. He puts that in a, a repeating Does loop. A radio thing, and so you're asking you this debate. You know, will I? You know wait for people, be patient, or will I just kind of go off the rails? Yeah. And, you know, like I think, again, that's that's what this guy is doing, right? Like that's what he would do. Yeah. You know, the radio thing was interesting because I think I don't think everyone would do that. No. And no. so it was kind of like, again, showing like his science brain, I think. Like it was showing that his intellect show, you know, like go do a loop recording, record it, play it. Yeah, um, and, and having the knowledge to be able to do that. Uh, yeah. And it's interesting watching these pre-internet shows as well. Yeah. And pre-cell phone. Yes. Because we do, if it was made now, you'd have, you'd have to have some sort of... YouTube clip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'd have to have some sort podcast, of... Podcast, anyone? <laughs> podcast or... Yeah, he'd have to check his yeah. phone and, and like no signal or something. Yeah. And then he, he goes on the internet and um, there are no Twitch streams. Yeah. And you go, what? Twitch is running, but there's no no streams. Or maybe there's like a whole bunch of streams, yeah. but there's no people in them. Yeah, yeah. It's just like uh, an empty chair where you'd normally sort of see a guy doing his podcast. Yeah, yeah. And then I don't know what you'd do for a repeating signal, like because you know, radio, you you put out a pod, you wouldn't put out a podcast because some people don't listen to them for a couple of weeks. Yeah, we, we've got people going back listening to our two, three-year-old episodes. Yeah, and I mean, look, the debate anyway, and it, and they do do it. And this is that the power goes out. That, that's the thing. In any sort of realistically, any sort of breakdown of society, the power would go out at some point in time. Power, yeah. water, gas would all turn off at some point. So yeah, there, I think you're right. Like, there's a debate. The debate was interesting because he kind of logically tried to get people to come to him. So he painted a sign, a billboard, a sign, and he had um, this, you know, come to my address, come to my address, and the radio thing. And then once that was, he suddenly was like sitting there, not he, probably mentally, he was starting to spiral down a bit, like yeah. more depression. Because I think there's a great shot of him in his kitchen with you know a bottle of whiskey and the radio's playing the loop, 
Yeah. And he, so he's not looking too good. And then he goes, well, I think it's time to upgrade. Yeah. It was, and, th- and I think this is, this is that's kind of two, isn't yeah, it? Like yeah. when we next come in, we hear the loop and it, we're coming into a, a luxurious house <laughs> and the bed and he's sleeping in the bed and he gets up. This is where he has his, his egg Champagne. champagne. <laughs> That's so disgusting. Yeah. My wife and I just looked at it and just went, what are I know. you doing? I was, I you could eat lot. and drink anything you wanted and you wanted a raw egg with champagne. <laughs> yeah. But there's that sort of your fun and games and it's like it's decadence, I guess, right? Like he's it's breakfast and he's having egg and champagne. Well, he's, and you'd expect He's in this, this wealthy house. He's got a lovely robe on. Um, it's also what I liked here is it implied almost in his bedroom, like he's even maybe collected other artworks. Yeah, there's all artworks like, about it. It wasn't place. necessarily just this rich person's house. Like the, like he's also. What's that woman with the blue scarf or whatever it yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. So he's, again, I think that tells you something about him. Like he's gone and collected He does. The and and he, looks, he looks at the artwork. And, and this is, a, I think it's a fairly common act two for this type of film. It is. Yeah. And, and it happens in these, you know, Groundhog Day type ones yeah, stuff yeah. where is that kind the of realisation of like, oh, I'm not bound by the previous restrictions I had. Mm. So, you know, he, he updates the loop and says, oh, it's my new address yeah. <laughs> is this one. And, and I reckon if you're a New Zealander, you probably recognise that as a fancy yeah, part yeah. of town. It'd be like, yeah. it'd be like uh, saying you, you've, you're in Nedlands or Peppermint Grove or something yeah, now. Yeah, if you're in WA, yeah. Yeah, if you're in WA or, or Turak or... I don't know. And I know it's a Botany Bay in Sydney oh, yes. or something. I don't know. Or Bondi yeah, or something. Kirribilli. Kirribilli, yeah. Yeah, yeah one so something along those lines. Yeah, and that, that's that's the point then, right? So it's like step one, you go to the wealthy house, you collect art, you drink champagne and eggs. He doesn't drive a sports car. No, he doesn't drive a sports car, no. so Clearly not part of his ideas of status. Of because he just drives that Toyota Hilux around, yeah, yeah. which is quite practical because yeah. he can put all of his like generator and equipment in the back. Yeah, uh, the Hilux even at the time was renowned for being, you know, the unbreakable Hilux was the yeah. advertising slogan. <laughs> uh, and you know, th- there is some merit to that. Toyota made very reliable cars at that they time. Did. And then he's also shopping, like as I said, like he drives a Ute <laughs> into the <laughs> shopping centre, and that would be very excellent. Too. I'd love like, number time I've gone to the Madra Forum here, yeah, and you just sort of go, ah, oh, I've got to get this thing from Jim Kid. And from Coles, yeah, they're the opposite ends, and you're just like, oh, it's going to take forever. <laughs> like particularly if it's if it's a busy day, it's yeah, like ah. Yeah. Oh. But wouldn't you want to just drive your you in, yeah. load up the back, and <laughs> mosey on down, just and drive through? I think what I this was a little thing that I haven't seen in these other type of films was we said the TVs. He's he's loading up a couple of TVs, and one falls off and breaks. Yeah. And what I just loved is that it breaks and he's just like, he's a bit emotional-less about this, right? Mm. Like he doesn't care about it. And I just think that's really a nice little moment, right? Because if you really suddenly thought, well, now it doesn't matter. I can drive a Ute into a shopping centre. Mm. I can just take whatever I want. Whoops, I broke a TV. Yeah. And at the time it was probably like a, you know, it'd be like a $5,000 TV, right? Like, and you go, oh, well, it doesn't yeah. matter. Like, it doesn't matter. And <laughs> so I really like that. It's a nice attention to detail. And it's an interesting thought I've had myself is one of these problems of um, having all of your dream wishes granted, you know, it spoils your dreams. It does. <laughs> because if somebody suddenly turned around and said, here's an infinity of money, yeah, you know, yeah. Jeff Bezos says, yes, uh, because you forwarded that email of mine on to 50 people, here's a billion dollars, you know. <laughs> and it's literally a billion dollars yeah, in your bank account. Whatever this case is, you go, oh, great, I'll get, I can get the Ferrari and the and you go, I don't go. The house and the clothes. But why? Yeah. Like, 
I only really well, wanted the the fancy ass car because I couldn't have it. Yeah, and now I can one, have twenty of them. It's yeah. just sort of pointless, really. That's it. So once you get the one sports car, it's just another car, isn't it? Yeah, like, you just sort of go. Well, I, I don't really have anywhere to drive because yeah. I don't need to go to work, <laughs> and I buy the gym. Yeah. Um, yeah. So suddenly, and I think maybe that this scene is just showing a bit of that where. Yeah. He's he's wrestling that mower statue yeah. into his car and knocks the TV off and smashes, and it's like it's actually not. It's not worth it. Yeah, what, what is this dream of having multiple TVs and stuff? Yeah. And like, turns out um, doesn't matter now. Doesn't matter. But you got the mower statue, so that was kind of important. <laughs> and and this is then sort of him that that then is then starting to break down, isn't it? Like he's starting to go a, a bit mad then. Yeah, and that's an interesting turning point in uh, what would be typical of that I've seen in these, these apocalypse films where, where, or as a Groundhog Day type things yeah, where yeah. people suddenly discover they've got all this power is, is just he very quickly goes, well, what is the sense of all this? Yeah. And, oh, and he drives a train. Yeah, I love that. He finds the toy trains <laughs> and then like <laughs> then he, he looks at and goes, oh, this is interesting. And then you see him take a moment and yeah. cut and there he is driving a Fine real time. train. You're like a... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Why wouldn't you? That yeah, looks yeah. way cool. <laughs> Far more yeah. fun. Far more fun. So, yeah, it's and and this is that that's all the fun in games. And then it's the descent into madness, really. So he suddenly he's having this uh, breakdown of yeah his thought process, isn't it? Of of who he is, and he gets a plan of attack of all these speakers and, mm. uh, and he wires. Had, and, he has his. Uh, dictator, dictatorial address, yeah. you know, and, and he's talking to Churchill and Hitler, Hitler. and and um, probably Mussolini and Marilyn Monroe and yeah, and a whole bunch a, of other of these sort of famous figures that mm. were cult status. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, has a bit of a chat. It's funny, isn't it? Because it's like someone that's gone a little crazy, but it's it's a sophisticated breakdown of because he he talks. Puts on the speakers of a like, ah, round yeah, of crowd, applause yeah. and the crowd and the camera, the, you know, the way the filmmaker's done it is like then close-ups of Marilyn Manson and Hitler. Marilyn and Monroe. Monroe. Monroe, sorry. Probably, yeah. probably Charles Manson. Charles yeah. Manson's in there. not Yeah. And, uh, you know, of these celebrities and Churchill and stuff and there's nice close-ups of them and then back to him doing his speech at the top of the, the balcony. So I really liked that scene. I thought it was quite a funny scene. No, it was, it was interesting because it, it did reveal... Uh, something about, you know, it's sort of foreshadowing later on where he's talking about how he was involved in this project and it was, you know, why do, why do we seek these, these projects which could kill so many people Destroy for us, no yeah. good reasons? Mm. And a bit of foreshadowing there about how we're going to discuss things later on. So then he's kind of saved but by um, jo- Joanne, isn't it? Yeah, Joanne, yeah. Yeah, she, so suddenly she rocks up. And, um, you know, she's this younger, pretty girl, a woman. And, yeah, but but in showing up, and as I said, like, uh, to me it was such a different scene that she rocks up, they kind of look at each other and they just embrace. Yes, like, they just hug. And it's, it's a, just saved. a genuine hug. Like, it's not a sexual hug either. Like, it's just a genuine hug. And I thought that was just such a nice take on this thing. Like you've never seen that before in an apocalypse It was a nice way of introducing it because we talked a bit 
mentioned I Am Legend. Similar yeah. thing happens there where a woman and her child turns up mm. uh, to Will Smith's character. Mm. And Will Smith's character has been alone and doesn't realise how poorly equipped he is to yeah. deal with other people. Yeah, yeah. And so there's like this awkward scene and they used Shrek as mm, the, the, yeah, the, 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 the icebreaker where he yeah. starts quoting Shrek mm. and it's sort of, oh, well, he can't be all bad. You know, this can't yeah. be a terrible situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this was this was very simple, I think, and yeah. uh, kudos to the writer for coming up with it of just like they see each other, they hug like long lost friends. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, my wife and I sort of actually asked, do they are they supposed to have known each other? Well, like there was a photo earlier where we saw them together or something. Yeah, yeah. And we quickly dismissed that. And went no, I think they just really pleased that there's yeah. another person. There's another person. Yeah. And and this this might be where my wife and I talked about that. It's like it's one thing to be alone, but knowing. You know, you've got a dog in the other room, yeah, yeah, or that right. your wife is is just, you know, pottering about in mm-hmm. in another part of the house. And Even- I think, yeah, yeah, I think we can all f- fantasize about being alone, but the reality is, like, it's and trust me, I'm I'm a big person and be like, oh, a cabin in the woods, yeah, yeah, you know. But to be alone, where you know, where if the thought was I'm alone and there's just literally no one, mm. nothing, there's no dogs, no. you can't even have a dog. No, I am legend. He's got a dog. You can't even have a dog. Like it, I think for for ninety nine point nine percent of the population, we would not like that. No, you know, it's, like, it's the difference between being alone and being lonely, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, yeah, being being alone just means that there's not another person near yeah. you, <laughs> yeah. which is entirely different to being there are no other yeah. people anywhere. Yeah, that's right. So there's a as you said earlier in this episode, like that's a real sudden despair, isn't it? It's yes. a different emotional point and. Yeah, the filmmakers, writers, they decide at this point in time, like, yeah, an embrace would make a lot of sense. And they repeat that later, like we talked about. And I think I think that's just such a really good emotional sense of it, which is really cool. So we're probably hitting they, – they do a bit of fun and games, don't they, I reckon? Yeah. They, they then are – they sort of – they have a plan then, don't they? they? They actually go looking for people. That's kind of then the plan. Um, yeah, so I was wondering though, midpoint-wise, yeah. I've got a little note here saying that they found a car crash with some dead bodies. Yeah. So they're like, oh, we're not 100% alone. No. It's clearly like, and because the, they're fresh. Yep. And then he makes a comment about the sun. He re- looks at his little dad and says, does the sun look like it's pulsating to you? Hmm. And she says, no. And he goes, no. And he chucks his little <laughs> device. Like as, you know, thinking with my audience cap on, I thought, oh, Hang on. Yeah, like the fun and games are... are coming up because the fun and games, there were kind of no consequences. Mm. They, were, they were just um, uh, exploring, going mad, yeah. getting to know each other. Yeah. And then there's this introduce this thing of, oh, hang on, there are other people and maybe the sun's not right. Like there's yeah. something, something that is happening that's wrong. Yeah, I was going to say that that other people scene I think was a bit like, oh, there may be other people and mm. we don't really know then the other people could be violent or the other people could be, you know, it brings up that then mm. story arc that we haven't had so far. Because um, that's when they, they go to the hospital and yeah. he goes to the School of Science and yeah. starts looking at, more sensitive equipment. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I agree with that, that it is moving towards some bad guys closing in. The the son is, he believes that something's going wrong or something's changing mm. and we start, he starts to go down that path. She, you know, she, when she goes to the hospital, she's like, remember it's like the baby story, like a yeah. dead baby, but the baby would have been born after the event or yeah. 
survived the event. Because she, she mentions baby. that the event was about three weeks ago. Yeah. But the baby wasn't dead for three no. Was dead, not three weeks dead. Yeah, so it's a pretty horrific. Oh, and of, also there were maggots, which means there, was, there are flies. Yeah. 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 And then... Yeah, and and then it's probably they are looking for these other people, and he gets cornered into this weird. Yeah, so I've, you know, I like, put that sort of bad guys closing yeah, in yeah, sort so of thing. It was pretty obvious. I thought for me, I was like, "You are going into a trap here, buddy." You uh, know, like my wife I've watched made, a lot of Walking Dead. This is exactly <laughs> what my wife said. My wife said. I don't think this guy's seen a single zombie movie. No, like it like, was it was sort of a little bit obvious, but then again, you think he's only he hasn't really seen any other people, so no, he's thinking the world's his oyster, and right? In nineteen eighty five, yeah. Hadn't seen any of those sort no, of popular movies. Hadn't been around. Like <laughs> culturally we weren't as you know, attuned yeah, to it, were keyed we? Keyed into it, yeah. yeah. Like, because I was thinking that first truck across the road, I mean he's seen yeah. a lot of trucks and cars and yeah. go up, oh, okay, yeah. fine. But the next one was like a bus has been sort of pushed yeah. up and stuff. You're looking at it and going, and there's only one exit down that yeah, alleyway. Yeah. You're just going. And it's like a where, like it's, yeah. now it's like a military, you know, it's like, yeah, what is it called? You're, you're basically funneling, funneling yeah, your prey down into a, like a hole. Yeah, I know. It's like you'd sort of look at that and go like, I'm not going down no. <laughs> like no. I'm, I'm going to find another way. I'm going to reverse out of here now. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but that's the but whole point. That's coming from. Watching these films and in learning, you know, what, would you, you know, how keyed on to that would you be if you've been going yeah. for at this stage a month, couple of months mm. without seeing Joanne's the only person you've seen, yeah, yeah, and everything else, like everything else where you'd expect to see people and know people. So, mm. I mean, maybe you'd kind of go, oh, I don't, yeah, don't I don't know, yeah, this could have happened weeks ago, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he, and he does. He gets trapped. So this is a real bad guy's closing in, and mm. it's RP um, comes out with the machine gun, and he's obviously a very different interpretation of the world. Like he's militaristic. He's got the weapons. He's got the costume. Yeah, he's kitted up for violence, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. he's concerned that if he meets another person, yeah, it's going to be dangerous. Yes, and so uh, yeah, they they kind of have a standoff, and and then he um, here's the walkie-talkie. Here's Joanne. So obviously. Let's lead him to Jan. And, again, that's all set up because like, he holds him by gunpoint that, in, again, as watching a lot of Walking Dead and stuff, you're yeah. like, oh, this is not going to end well. When he does get to Joanne, as I said, they have this embrace in the park. Yeah, like well, the three of them. Like they have they, a little three-way. Because they've got the walkie-talkies. <laughs> yeah. And Joanne says, oh, well, she, says, she says something along the lines of, yeah, I, there's, there's, there's no one else. Mm. And because she doesn't know that they're, being listened to yeah. by Harpy. And so that that when Harpy hears that, he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. he was telling the truth that, that this really is the only other two people yeah, in the world. Yeah. yeah. And he, he walks up and drops a gun and goes yeah, over little, to them. Yeah. We're cool. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's right. We're cool, bro. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, we're okay. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they have a little three-way hug. It's quite nice. But then, of course, what I straight away, and this is what the writers have done there, is, well, then now you've got a three-way, don't you? It never ends well. Yeah, yeah, yeah like we, we already know that, uh, that. We already know that Zach digs on Joanne. Yeah, he's kept and, wanting to have a bit of a crack, and you know, and we we know that Joanne likes Zach, but she's quite a. She seems like a bit of a free spirit. Yes, she's not. Yeah. You know, she doesn't want to be tied down to one no. Zachy boy, especially well, yeah. at the end of the world. And, and it does. Yeah, we do get a bit of those the interactions where it's like you know, hey, I kind of like like you, mm. and how's this going to go? And Joanne's kind of, oh, yeah, this is quite nice. You know, it's it's. Good for you know, I like both of you guys. Yeah, and yeah. and if you 
put it the other way around where it's one guy and two women. Yeah. And the guy's going, oh, you know, you're both nice. Yeah. What's the problem? And the two women are going, well, it's like I'm not so keen on sharing with yeah, another right. woman. Like, and and it's, again, it's like the two men are going, yeah, that's nice that you don't mind which of us you have a relationship with because we're both nice, but that means one of us is going to be left out. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've not really heard of many long-lasting thruples. No. Quadruples probably work out, but odd numbers become difficult. They do. I mean, unless you had one of the people was aromantic and asexual, in which case they're just kind of keen to have close human bond. Yeah. Which was neither romantic nor sexual. Yeah. And that look, would probably work, but... It seemed like Zach had then decided, he's like, oh, I can't keep people with RP. Yeah, yeah, see, I'm not, not going <laughs> to. That dude's mo is just yeah. out of this I'm not in the office world, league. you know. Um, and really probably as this all is lost moment, it's RP revealing that he murdered, he, he died. Yes. Because this other man, his friend was trying to kill him. And when she quizzes him over that, we get this great flashback scene of the fight and he's being drowned. RP's being drowned. Because his mate found the one ring. Yeah. <laughs> so he's he's not he's not he's not happy, and then he he's, he's well, I murdered his wife. Yes, it's a great little hook because straight away you're like, we learned we learned that this guy was military, kind of came around to him, and then oh no, is he a murderer? You know, mm. so I kind of liked that, and um, she's a bit pissed off with that. But this is definitely like all is lost, and, kind and of we stuff. also find out that each of them died, yeah, or maybe died, yeah, maybe died, and you know had this vision of this. The bright light at the end of a tunnel, mm. which is kind of cool. Yeah, I, I, that was sort of nice. It it reminded me of that movie Awake. Yeah, you know yeah. where the reason the son was it the son wasn't yeah, going son. crazy was yeah no the daughter oh, I can't remember which one was wasn't going crazy and could sleep. The daughter couldn't could sleep was because she had been unconscious, you know, drowned at the time of the event. Yes, and so they resuscitated her afterwards, and then she was like, sweet. And this sort of reminded me of the same thing is that these people were dead at the time of the event mm. or close enough to death. Yeah, yeah. And you, so you've got to think of that as other people, the bodies they came across yeah, yeah. would have been a similar situation. Mm. And, and you wonder because the woman in that was sort of wearing almost like a, a wedding gown or something. Mm. Mm, but anyway, I thought that was sort of interesting. I thought maybe she was, maybe it was a funeral thing. Maybe she'd be done it for a funeral. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, all is lost. It'd be, I, I think we got to that point where they're all sort of sitting there not sure what's going to happen, but Zach reveals that there's these oscillations. He needs mm. finer equipment and they have a look and they see like the, the 80s era graphics, <laughs> which is just astonishing. She even says, what does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? And he's like, there's oscillations. Like, Thank and God, here, good question. I have no idea. <laughs> and here it goes off the side. Basically sort of saying we've got about a, you know, 24 hours uh, and this event's going to happen again. Yes, it, kids, you needed a scientist to decipher what a computer was telling us in the 80s. Yeah, yeah it didn't, didn't just have a computer voice saying you, end of world event. No, you didn't 12 have hours. 12 hours left and counting. Yeah, so but it was, wasn't it? It was a countdown, but just not that type of countdown. Yeah, so we had, we had a, we've got a death clock on there. Yeah, and they're we going, well, there's going to be an event and all life, the chances of them all being you know, dead at the right moment, mm. and then but then surviving seems pretty slim. And what was great was just with that. That's when we have this real trip out Inception styled moment 
oh, that how, we spoke about earlier. Where, how cool was that? You know, they, they they basically, there's a little tremor and they all have, they all kind of separate, right? Like mm. on the planes of existence. So um, in this version, it's done with some montaging. It's done with some double dissolving of the characters. It's also done with RP walking up a wall kind of thing where the furniture is still stagnant. And also the sound, the sound of them talking echoes more. Yeah. They're not on the same existence like you and I are right and, now. And Zach walks along the wall and goes out sideways through the door, yeah, out to the front, and then suddenly he's all back the right he's way. Back the right way. See, yeah. I I love that. I thought that like if I saw that in 1985, yeah, back when I was saying, you know, like just a real young kid. But if I saw that in the 80s, like back, yeah, yeah, before any of these computer graphics, and I saw it, you would sort of go, wow, like that's. Really cool, like the yeah, way Arpy awesome. sort of turns around on this couch and like his feet go up on the wall. Mm. When I was watching this film, I was going, "Oh, that's okay." So he's just that's where they're gonna leave it. But then he stood up on the wall, and I just went, "Okay, that is that looks they've really done, good." They've done that really well, yeah. yeah. Um, and they kind of all come back together, and Zach explains that it's probably a tremor, and this is where that theme of the film is coming out of hey, you know, like you guys were doing some sort of experiment and this is the outcome, yeah. you know, as well. And and they were like, well, that's really trippy. And, and so Zach is saying, well, if we stop this death clock, like we could destroy it and maybe when the event happens, we can kind of re-trigger it and recreate and bring humanity back. Yeah, it wasn't really made clear as to whether it would just leave them the way they was or yeah. it would do a, a, a redo or because yeah. I liked that and I thought, it sort of it brought up this whole thing is like you you may not have much, but at least you've got some other people. Yeah, like you know there might be just be the three of them. Like there's there's not really much hope for the human race. No, but there's kind of people that you can interact with. Definitely, because even if you're on your own and you're like a, maybe you're a really well, I finally I can do my painting. Mm. I can finally write that screenplay. Yeah, that's right. And then you write it and you go, well, there's no one to enjoy it. There's no one to read it, right? Yeah, there's no no one's go, there's no film going to be made or there's yeah. no one's going to see this painting I did. It could be the best or the worst painting and it wouldn't make any difference. No. Because it doesn't affect anyone else. Yeah, so That's so exactly I, th- right. I think it was good that they didn't sort of outright say this will save the world. No. Or it will doom it or do anything in particular except it'll stop it from happening again. Yeah. Yeah, it was the plan. So that, to me, is like pushing into Act 3. Yeah, that's Act 3 so there because they've got this, this plan now. This is now our plan. The three of Let's... us are going to go do this. And so straight away, it's, as, you, as you always say, collecting the resources. So it's... They go and get explosives and a they truck, pack up this huge truck full of gelignite. Gelignite. Um, and, and we've got to go back. You know, Zach is like, well, we're just going to we'll go back to the science lab station thing and that we saw at the start and we'll just blow it up, you know, when the and, event is scheduled and nicer, to happen. And as usual, we do have a couple of hitches. Yeah, we do. So there's the tanker truck across the way. Yeah, That's and, right. And he has to barge For some it. reason, Arpy decides to ram a tanker truck <laughs> with a truck full of explosives. And you're thinking, <laughs> you, you could actually just get in and, like, take the handbrake off and probably turn it. it and then, like, have the other truck just sort of nudge it forward and you could just... No, no, he rams it a couple of, and, you know, Zach and Joanna are like hiding behind their car as if that's going to help. I but know. A truck with that much explosive. Yeah. I've seen Mythbusters enough times to know that, uh, <laughs> you know, a truck full of explosives makes a big boom. It does. But they, they get through that and then they have their, their next little barrier, which is, of course, the uh, radiation. Yeah, it's going to cook you if you get there. Too close. If you get too close to the station, you're going to die like, yeah, yeah. You'd be yeah, cooked. so yeah. like, well, presumably like his buddy and the, in the grid control room. 
Yeah. Yeah, so so that was kind of nice. And, and so he says, well, if we run back, I can get that, which is what we saw earlier, yeah, the remote might. control lawnmower, uh, and leaving the angst, the passion between these two ah, yeah. in the in the sort of view tower. And, of course, they kind of have a little mo- a oh, moment in time. Yeah, and- RP's moustache does its yeah. magic. <laughs> it does. And RP, you know, he says, well, I'm the driver, like I'll drive the truck of explosions. Yeah, in. I'll do it. And you sort of think, well, that's yeah, that's right. That's the that's the stereotype. And then the big truck is hurtling towards the station. They see Zach's driving it. Yeah, and, well, because um, Zach has learnt something, hasn't he? Yeah, he he's gone. I tried to you know, like, I felt guilty about it. I tried chicken out by you know overdosing. Yeah, and but he was sort of saved by yep. this event. And he has a he's, second chance. He's learnt here now. He's on like you know Joanne and and RP. They're doing nice together. Mm. He didn't want to break that up. Yeah. He even said, no, I can handle it. Yeah. Uh, and so he's going, well, it's it's sort of this is he's learned. He's going, oh, I can actually take the action I should have taken. I should have stopped this should experiment stopped this before it time. happened the first time. Yeah. I can stop it this time. Yeah. And so it felt natural for him to do it. Like yeah. it, it would have felt a bit dark to let Arpy do it. Oh, totally. Totally. That would yeah, have you been, take the fall. <laughs> yeah, that would have been, you would have been going, that's not nice. Yeah. So he he does. He drives in there, and and we get a lovely explosion. This yeah. beautiful uh, radio dish falls over, and yeah, it's a big explosion. Was that a model? It must have been, but I it's know, well cause, done. Because I was looking at it going the falling radio dish and some of the exploding debris. I thought because initially I thought, oh, what they've done? You couldn't is, blow that up for six hundred. Is they've done like a um, you know a depth of field trick yeah, yeah. where the camera is down low, so you can't really see the real base of the radio dish. Yeah. It's actually miles off that way yeah. or you know it's hundreds of meters that way and they just built like a shed and a bit of a fence from bunnings you know yeah. they they got the stratco you know three by four shed yeah uh for seven hundred dollars and they just blown that up yeah but then they had the dish fall over and i yeah. was like oh, that dish has it looks weighty yeah, did it they does. build a big model mm. like how big does that have to be for that or maybe they actually had to demolish a radio dish in new zealand maybe Probably should have looked that up, actually. Yeah. Because actually, it. early in the film, there is a big scene where it's implied a plane had fallen out of the sky, remember? Yes. And that was done really well as well. Like, it was a burning factory, you know, and they just had the wing and the um, yeah. the Motor. engine. Yeah, engine a couple thingy. of seats. Yeah, you know, a couple of burnt seats and that. But that factory is probably a demolished factory or something. They kind of, like, lit some little fires and they shoved those props in. Mm. But that looked really cool, actually, yeah, early was, in the film. It looked high budget. It looked, yeah, it definitely looked high budget. Okay, so so we got the finale here, the yeah. final confrontation. Everything blows where up. Where Zach learned his lesson, they yep. got through their, their difficulties, and he went and blew the whole thing up. Mm. And we end up with a bit of a, a closing image here because... Then he uh, wakes up. Yeah, it's, it's just we have... Um, the closing image is kind of a mirror. We have the water, but the it's not sun. the sun rising. No. It's a planet rising. It's a planet rising. <laughs> and this time, instead of being asleep on his bed as mm. after the sunrise, as it's rising, he stands up on this beach mm. and he looks out of clouds. Are there birds flying around? I can't remember. But Yeah, I don't think there's birds, but the clouds are oddly shaped as yeah, well. Yeah, they're weird sort they're of alien-shaped clouds. Towers, aren't they? And just because you don't want to be confused and think it's the moon that he's no. seeing, it has a satin-like ring. Yeah, rising. And so, um, yeah, so the opening image was red sun and him being unconscious. Yeah. And this one here was like this, an alien environment with him being awake, fully awake. Yeah. And so he's alone in both. He is alone. He's naked in the first bit. This one he's dressed. Yes. He's on the beach. 
versus a, a lonely bed. Yes. But there's no one else around. We don't actually see anyone. No, but I, I got a general feeling of wonder and, yeah. you know, it was a positive feeling yeah, I got. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Which, which is interesting. Um, you wonder, is this sort of his second chance, like his, yeah. his heaven? Did yep. he die? Oh, he must have died. He got exploded, right? Yeah. But is this his Would heaven? Would his plan work? And he's been thrust into a alternate universe. Yes, yeah, and then in this alternate universe, there will be people again. Yes, and he'll have another chance. But I, I think him being awake and uh, the, the planet rising and so forth—it's like it's a new dawn. It's, yeah, it's a, a new dawn, not just yeah. a new day; it's a whole new everything. Yeah, it's a new everything. It's a new yeah. start. Yeah, it's a new start for him. Yeah. Of course, the other alter- the other interpretation is that. We don't see him facing the camera. He's facing away from the camera, yeah. which is traditionally and the water is traditionally associated with death. It is. Yeah, so the person who's dead is and he in does portraiture. Walk a bit into the water, like he doesn't. He is, doesn't is completely. Away. He doesn't completely walk into the water. Yeah, but he does walk into the water. So I'm, I'm thinking yeah. maybe maybe heavenish arrangement yeah. here. I went, I, I, my interpretation, and look, it is open-ended. My interpretation at the end was that all those things we've actually just said. So it's mm. like a new dawn, new life, new setup, you know, new scenario for him. And I kind of feel like his plan, my my reading into it yeah. <laughs> is that his plan kind of worked and he's he's woken up in a bit of an alternative mm. earth, you know, like it's, a, it's like now. So whether there's going to be people or not, and there might be aliens behind him, uh, but it's like for him, it's a new star. Yeah, I, you know? I definitely so, got a, a positive yeah. vibe because I'm not really thinking for me, not so much heaven, but more, more because it was so science based. This film, I feel like it's more like an alternative universe or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I got a, uh, I got a positive vibe out yeah. of it, and it, it was their book ending as well. Yeah. and to see an alternative, you watch Alita, as I said, where it's, uh, it's an. A lot of anime is like this, yeah. Uh, and it's in part because they leave it open ended because they, they want to make sequels, but they just don't know until they've got some funding. So a lot of them just get through these films get thrown together, and they want the sequels because they want a series, yeah, for sure. Um, and so they purposefully leave it that way to see yeah. if there's demand. But it also sort of it's a uh, it is a Japanese cultural mm. thing to have that, and so. Watch that movie, Alita. It's quite a fun movie. It goes. It's a bit longer. It goes for the best part of two hours, uh, but it it shows non non strictly book ended structure. Yeah, and I mean the thing is, this to me has bookends. It just mm. is an open ended, and and again culturally, there's plenty of more independent cinema. It has more of an open end ending, right? Like mm. a, you're not quite everything is tied up perfectly. You know, yeah. when you would say that. That really is that Hollywood ending, you yeah. know, like where every single little story gets rounded up in a moment's end. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, you watch films like this. A lot of European cinema does that too, where they don't end it on, hey, this is everything all wound up in one happy little happily ever after story, you know. So, um, yeah, anyway, but let us know what you thought. What was your interpretation of the ending? What do you think happened? Did he die? Did he go to heaven? Was this a new reality? Um, Were they actually because... Were they a kind of suicide and they were purgatory? Like this whole yeah. Catholic just, concept of yeah, purgatory where, like the, that. Yeah. where the suicides go Could and they been. don't. And then they, he managed to redeem them to heaven? Yeah. yeah. I know. You know, it's interesting because he was naked and if you really think about it, he was like a baby is born naked into the world, right? So yeah. he's born, whereas then at the end he's I dressed. I wasn't. 
You weren't. You came no, out. I, in a full I came little fully. Suit. I had I had like <laughs> a singlet <laughs> on and like gym shorts on. I was ready. So you were to go. ready, ready to go to the gym. I was looking for that rear delt machine <laughs> straight up. Definitely. Okay. What about ladder time? What what kind of other films? All the films that we've been looking at. This is ninety eight films we've looked at now on Space Brain. Sorry. Holy moly! I know. So you got ninety eight films to pick from. Well, we don't we don't put them in maybe with the classics as much. But uh, what would be a couple other films you think a viewer could watch with this film? Okay, so I I really liked the dish. Yeah, like because it, you know, it has a scientist. It's Australian. It's not New Zealand, but yeah, it's close. <laughs> I mean, it's got. Does the dish have Sam Miller? Has Sam Miller? He's yeah, New Zealand. he's New Zealand. Yeah, as are all good Australians. Yeah, <laughs> as as we all know. Uh, so the the dish, it's sort of um, you know, slightly irreverent, comical look, but at this sort of science of one of man's greatest achievements. Um, Thanks, thanks to primarily one particular woman. So it was actually kind of her achievement. But, you know, we'll, we'll gloss it over because that's, that's the way we men do things. And then the other side of it is don't look up. Oh, yeah. So yeah. don't look up is, is where the scientists do try to warn everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, in, in the middle there is the quiet earth where he didn't speak up. He didn't stop it, even though he kind of suspected it wasn't a good thing. In Don't Look Up, they do. They speak, they, they speak up. Nobody wants to hear it. No one wants to hear it. Uh, and and <laughs> that's a, oh, that's a, I've, I've got mixed feelings about that film, but it's, it's yeah, pretty good as well. It's a very seeing. good film. But that, that's, that's what I reckon would be, you know, those three cool. films kind of, they share themes, but have different views and different approaches to it, I think. Yeah, excellent. I, I went more apocalyptic films that we've looked at as well. So Snowpiercer and I Am Mother. And I just so I just kind of thought, well, yeah, there are a couple of the apocalyptic oh, yeah. ones where okay, and Snowpiercer, he's not on his own; he's on yes, a train with people. At but the end, yeah, at the, the end, end it crashes, and it's like into that new world. Yeah, that's it. Is there anyone else out there? It's yeah. like for some reason they're thinking, well, there probably is. Yeah, there's a polar bears. I thought everything was dead, but there's yeah. polar bear, and yeah. that means polar bears eating something. Yeah. So I kind of liked that. I thought that was a bit, you know like this in end of the world apocalyptic and and then that I am mother idea of like, you know, the robot raising a child and, you know, because of the end of the world and what the robots and humans have done to the world and that there isn't really anything out there mm. apart from maybe more mothers. Yes. <laughs> uh, but we don't, again, that's open to interpretation of like how big that world is. And so, yeah, I just thought that those two films both, I suppose that those films left me with a bit of a similar feeling to what this film left me with as mm, well. Yeah, I, I so, can see that. Yeah, there, there is a similar vibe to it that both the, these films have that ending where we do have a new beginning, but how optimistic it's going to be, who knows? Like mm. how positive it's going to be, we don't really know, but it is a new beginning. So I liked that. Anyway, what what other films would you suggest that we should watch with this or other audience members should? Let us know. Hit us up on the socials and think about what films would go nicely with The Quiet Earth. So, sorry, what about some science? What are we going to be talking about? Jalonite? How much jalonite it would take to blow up a satellite station? Actually, we... We talked about how much nuclear bombs it would take to shift the Earth. Yeah, we did. And so that's an interesting one. You go back to which episode was that? Oh, that was the that was the day the Earth caught fire. I think mm. it was. Yeah. So no, I mentioned it earlier. There's a book called The World Without Us, and it was a, a docu series as well. Yeah. As a 2007 non-fiction book about what would happen to the natural and built environment if humans suddenly disappeared. It was written by American journalist Alan Weissman. Or Weissman, 
probably Wiseman, and published by St. Martin's Thomas Dunn Books. It's an interesting book, and I've gone through and I've got some interesting ideas out of it. So this question is, in the scenario, uh, as we saw in this film, all humans just cease to exist. So there wasn't a a slow wind-up of a civilization that collapsed and failed over hundreds or thousands of years. This is just from day one to day two, bang, no people. Yep. Uh, you know, how long does it take for things to break down, to, for nature to take over? What about animal species returning mm. and so forth? And so I've got an interesting question here because this, this kind of blew my mind a bit. So we've, we've heard of Machu Picchu, right? Mm. So there's a 1923 photo of it, I think, uh-huh. um, back in the day. And I, you've probably seen it, but it was just barely recognisable as a ruin, overgrown, it was just trash. So the question is, how long did it take? So this is 1923. Yeah. Beginning of the 20th century. How long from it was populated to that point was that? Just Oof, roughly. 2,000 years? 2,000 years. Good guess. 400. <laughs> okay. Right. About, about 400. So okay, okay. yeah, I know this, this is yeah, what gets me. Know. It's yeah, like it's Machu Picchu was, you know, from the late 1400s, right, early okay, 1500s. Yeah, okay. It yeah, was yeah. about 100 years-ish that it was populated, they reckon. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it had um, grain fields and civic buildings and temples and houses. It was like a full-on city yeah, like yeah. up there. Uh, and the, the weather up there is apparently quite mild and pleasant all year round, which is quite nice. So it was, it was a really good spot for this. Uh, it was in a very remote, inaccessible spot, which... Mm. My, it was good because for 100 years, no enemies came and trashed it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cortez with the Spanish changed that, but they didn't actually go up there and destroy Machu Picchu. It's just they beat the Incans up so badly. And in comparison, of course, we have the Cathedral de Dom uh, in Mainz, Germany. Right. It was already 400 years old at the time that Machu Picchu was built. Wow. And so it's about 1,000 years old. And it is still there and still in use and service. Mm. The difference being, of course, that all the Incans left Machu Picchu and and it just overgrew. Mm. 400 years, it became a barely recognisable as a, a ruin. Mm. And it was made out of stone. So it's like all the wood and stuff was long gone. But the thousand-year-old cathedral and you go to you know, the, the tours in France, they've got a massive cathedral there, similar. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's more like about 800 years old or something yeah. you know, like the difference being, of course, humans have continuously looked after it, yeah. um, cleaned it up, patched bits. They've kept the gutters and drains clear so rain didn't stay in there and they kept the animals out. Yeah. Um, well, you know, except for the worshipping masses. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> yes, but other than those animals. So, you know, you could sort of say that there's about 400 years. That's a model we have of that. Mm. Uh, this guy, Alan... Wiseman, he went around and spoke to a bunch of experts, engineers, um, historians, and so forth about that. So here's the, here's the next question. The next interesting point that you got to think about is power generation mm. and like water pressure. So in this, I think it was a good week or so mm. before we had a scene, or maybe it was a couple of weeks, it was some period weeks, yeah. where before the, the lights went out. Mm. So the question is, again, I have a bit of insight into this because I, I worked in the energy yeah. industry for a little while, but how long? How long does it take before power turns? Because apocalypse films sometimes inexplicably have power. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I No, I, it would go out. In any apocalypse, it would no. go out. But I think, I mean, is it something like three to five days? Uh, it's probably less than 24 hours. Yeah, right. 
Yeah, something yeah. like that. Mainly because at any given time, X power is being generated and put yeah. on the grid. Yeah. And that's balancing the same amount of power being used. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they've got to do. They've got to balance the amount of power being generated, power being used. Yeah. Because if you start using more, yeah. then that causes a greater load on the generators, which slows them down. Yeah. And here in Australia, we've got, uh, was it 50 hertz power sockets, yep. 240 volt? Yes. And the hertz will drop yeah. from 50. And if it drops down to, say, 48 or 47.5, mm-hmm. safety systems kick off and turn everything off. Yeah. Likewise, if it goes to about 51, 51 and a half, 52, again, power systems have safety features to stop them from overloading yeah. and turn off. So if you had a building catch fire, for example, and suddenly all of its power dropped out mm. or you know, more likely aluminium smelter, which uses, I think the aluminium smelters in New South Wales use about 10% yeah. of New South Wales power. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. this yeah. one one factory uses about 10%, like they're, yeah. they're incredibly... And those desalination plants. And the desal plants, They, they yeah. are just uh, gigawatts of if, power. If they were power. running, the moment they turned off, yeah. which they would do, they'd run out of something would yeah, overflow yeah. or p- yeah. pressure would... There'd be a safety. You'd have this well. massive drop in power usage yeah. and the power plants would oh, go out. Yeah. Nuclear plants would continue generating power probably for, uh, you know, like a couple of days. Mm. Uh, gas turbines could run for maybe three days mm. if they've got a good supply. Yep. Coal, less than 24 hours. But the grid itself would stop. Yeah. yeah. So even though they're, they're generating, they'd just be going to earth yep. because uh, all of the substation and everything would, would kick in their little yeah, yeah. bits and pieces. Uh, but, the, I mean, so 24 hours after people disappeared, power drops, mm. water pressure drops because yep. there's no pumping. Yep. But there's there's more. So 36 hours is the next landmark. Mm-hmm. Not such a problem here in Mandra, but certainly, say, in Perth, but particularly London and New York. Any idea what that would be? Uh, sewage. Yeah, it's the underground stuff. Yeah. So the subway systems in particular. Yeah. Because, yeah, all the sewage, because we don't have any pumps, yeah. all the sewage, any water that flowed, yeah. uh, like, stop. say, um, you know, would would keep flowing into the system, but the mm. system wouldn't be emptying. Yes. And so you get, like, the Perth Underground Station, like, particularly, say, Elizabeth Quay, which is yeah. actually right next to the river and below. Mm-hmm. You can bet they've got sump pumps yeah. working. Yeah. Uh, and particularly New York, you know, Manhattan Island mm. is goes up to nine stories underground yeah. below sea level. Yeah. Yeah. So that would just flood in 36 hours. All of the subways and any underground areas yep. would flood completely. Well, there, and there is pumps in Perth under mire in Forest Chase. Yes. Because that's swampland and that, there's pumps there that are sub-pumps that you're talking about. They, yeah, they yeah. They pump water out all the time. Constantly. Yeah. yeah well, you so, can imagine Holland, um, yeah. you know, that so, would... So the the main part of Perth would would start to flood. Yeah, I, the, like, I would water expect would so. just start to come up. There's from parts the here in Mandra which I, I go past and I look and think, given yeah. the way <laughs> sea levels are rising, like give it a meter. <laughs> you're already yeah, you're right, right on, the line, on yeah. sea level yeah. there. Like that swampy ground you're on, like. Yeah. It's just that people poured like a, maybe about a metre and a half of sand yeah, on top. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, anyway, so, so that, that's very interesting. So th- within 36 hours, you'd already like, you'd be unrecognisable. Like the yeah. all the underground areas you wouldn't be able to use. The power would all be out. Yeah. You turn the taps on. Maybe if you're in a low-lying area that's, you know, got a, uh, a water tower, yeah. you'd still get a bit of water pressure just from gravity. Yep. But Generally. just due to leaks and so forth, like certainly if you're in a... a 
all your towers, your yeah. buildings are no water pressure. Yeah. Uh, which of course mean that fires would inevitably happen. Yeah. Uh, particularly uh, nuclear power stations, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. without anyone there to keep track of you know how much power they're producing. Yeah. Sudden load goes off the grid. Where's all that power go? Yeah. Uh, you would end up with meltdowns, nuclear run, you know, yeah. radiation. There'd be massive coal. You know, the um, a lot of these coal power stations we have in Australia are fed directly from a coal mine yeah. right next to it. And if that catches on fire, if a coal mine catches on fire, it doesn't go out. <laughs> like they really don't want coal mines to catch fire. There are some coal mines that are underground; they're burning. Yeah. Like, and they, they they will never go out like until all of the coal is gone, and that will take. <laughs> Yes, but so that's interesting. So then we're, we're going to skip forward. Then it's interesting to think then that the biggest towers would fall first because they require the most maintenance. Mm. Things like gutters would start filling up, paint jobs would flake and crack, rust would get in, yeah. and as soon as you get some of those structural supports breaking, mm-hmm. yeah, like the glass is falling out, the towers are falling down, mm. homes like a like the house room at the moment so the recording studio <laughs> made of just bricks and things again water would get in them the yeah. wood would rot it would you know after 500 years oh, yeah. so we're talking Machu Picchu abandonment time yeah. we're basically uh, our streets and cities are just grasslands and forests mm. like with crumbled ruin yeah. and they reckon that a typical you know, suburban home would only really be recognisable maybe if it had like a big stone fireplace Right. Not many do these days. Yeah. Otherwise, probably the stainless steel cookware and aluminium parts in your dishwasher is how you'd recognise that there was a house there. Wow. All your cabinetry, oh, yeah. um, all, the wood all of the, um, you know, the, the plasterboard and yeah. all of that gone. Yeah. The bricks would have cracked. Not so much here and where it's temperate, yeah. but anywhere where you've got frost, for certain the bricks would just shatter and fall yeah. apart yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. as everything sort of took off so I, I thought there was anything so basically 500 years after people are gone you're looking at a, a lush green well i mean you look at uh, some of the rental properties around mm. and you know they're not as keen on maybe doing the gardening as you see like the retirees who've got like there's a couple out here they've got golf course yeah, yeah. trim manicured grass but you're talking about like you know there's a, a rental property where yeah, it's not really their house they're working all the time to pay the rent anyway yeah there's sort of weeds and stuff in the cracks of the, the brickwork yep. of the driveway. Give that just a few years. Yeah, yeah. And those, those pavers are coming out as yeah. the weeds grow through. Look, I know, like, I, I had a, um, some paving at the back of my old house that um, I didn't clean up as often as I perhaps should, mm. and it started shifting around. Yep, yep. So 500 years, we've got, got forest lands. But then we have the big question, which is, well, how long until we get back the sort of biodiversity that used to be? here before humans like when, yeah. when do we return to that like elephants in the mediterranean mm. that's like and rhinos in siberia yeah. you know these megafauna that died out inevitably when humans came in care to care to think of any time scales there well if you got 500 so we're talking homes. about the biodiversity is similar to the serengeti so yeah, pretty yeah. pretty fab yeah i don't know like a thousand years sadly three to seven million oh it would take yeah, that long for, for basically million. evolution for these animals to slowly take back mm. ground that has been opened. Yeah, right. And they've looked at places like Pripyat near Chernobyl, mm. which has basically been locked off since 1986, I yeah. think. Apparently there's dogs there. There, there are dogs that are they're doing <laughs> fine. They're, they're 
checking out the DNA to see if there's been any adaptations. Yeah, yeah, werewolves. Because the animals have a shorter um, birth cycle. Yeah. So, yeah, so the, the radiation will give a dog cancer in five years. Yeah. But they breed after one and a half years. Yeah. Um, and so they can actually have a couple generations before they're in worry about cancer. Mm. Which gives them plenty of chance. So since 96, you've got to think, uh, let's call it a, a three-year generation. What's that, um, 20, 40 years? Yeah. yeah. Is it, so let's call it 40 years. There's been about 10, 12 generations, mm. you know, in that time. And they've got deer coming back there and so forth. It's, yeah. it's been an interesting case study because there are trees there growing that weren't, weren't planted because they're coming out of pavement. Yeah. And, yeah, so that and that's only forty years ish. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah my maths is about right, but just a bit under forty years. Mm. And already you see photos of it, and it's just yeah, the buildings are all crumbling. Uh, it's um, you know falling apart, and mm. slowly wildlife is creeping in. They've got deer, they've got wild dogs, they've got Russians. <laughs> Might explain the Russian behaviour at the moment. Actually, I think they they the Russians have have returned. I think they've returned. Chernobyl, and they said, yeah, like, actually, this is kind of not, we don't really want to, I don't think they really want to get involved yeah. in it. They had sort of got in there and it, I, it was a bit of a bit of a thing they were looking at and you know, yeah. being a bit scary. And then I think they've gone, oh, you know what, it's just not, it's not strategic. It, it's no. not doing it. It's not good. You can have that back in Ukraine. You, you can have, you can look after Chernobyl <laughs> if you like. <laughs> it's just a d- dead expense. So, yeah, so three to seven million years. Mm, wow. But you can imagine then, so aliens come down to Earth in let's call it seven million years time, mm. and they would initially see they would see no outward sign of human civilization. Yeah, wow! Like there would be, as I said, there'd be elephants. There'd be new species of adapted animals mm. all about the place. Yeah. When they start digging, they would find you know radioactive hotspots. Yeah. Which at first might seem maybe just natural until they sort of looked a bit you know and looked at the the ratio of plutonium. They go how that amount of plutonium-239 just doesn't exist normally. Mm. So there would be some indication that there was civilization here. 30, 40 million years, uh, you know, the Earth is covered over most things. It's subducted. There, you know, if archaeo-aliens like yeah. visited and landed and were here for a couple hundred years doing archaeology, which they wouldn't initially do, why would they? There'd, there'd be no reason. They'd look around and go, there's no reason to do archaeology here. But they'd be digging their own subways. Yeah. And they'd come across maybe like a... A, a, a dog, dog. Uh, you know, a, a dog skeleton or something and go, oh, that's a, an unusual species. We haven't seen that running around here. Mm-hmm. And they go, it looks domesticated. So, yeah, there'd be some things there, but um, not many. And I think I think it's really interesting to think that 65 million years ago, the dinosaurs disappeared. Yeah, yeah. And we, we barely scratched, we barely know what dinosaurs or what other animals lived at the same time. Yeah. We've got a few fossils. And, it, like, we think we've got a lot. Like, you look at the list of dinosaurs but if you think about what the diversity of life must have been, mm. we've seen nothing. Like yeah, yeah. the tip of an iceberg in terms of that. In that 65 million years, there could have been an entire, like humans rose after about 100,000 years. Yep. There could have been like a whole intelligent race evolved, Killer grew clowns. up, became technologically capable. Yeah. Um, clearly they didn't do any nuclear stuff or anything that left like plastics everywhere, but let's yeah. say they got to late middle ages. Yeah. They could have easily got to late middle ages before disease or something took them out. Yeah. And we would never know. Yeah. Like there's just, unless we just, you know, pure luck come across 
some sort of a relic. Yeah. Which at 40 million years old, like Probably wouldn't you exist. wouldn't like, it'd be like, it's just pure luck. We come across dinosaurs really. Yeah. yeah it'd be amazing. So there you go. Um, uh, and only about a hundred thousand years for our CO2 levels to return to normal. Oh. Yeah. If just left. And, and that's in part because those coal mines have been burning and so forth. And so, <laughs> It would take a while. Uh, it will take a while to stabilise. I mean, yeah. the good news is, of course, the the Earth has been at this similar level mm. of carbon dioxide and there were species that grew and adapted and, and were able to change to it. So life won't end. Humans, no, humans, humans disappeared. Yeah. And in 100,000 years, their carbon dioxide would be gone. Yeah. Be Let's call it four or five million years. Life, animal life will have returned to where we just annihilated it. And who knows, some other weird... Human, something noid. else could take another 30, 40 million years, but something else might grow. Yeah. So I thought that was fascinating. It's, it's a very interesting book. It's a great, you know, just watch a TV series. It's, it's quicker. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fascinating to think about. It uh, is well and truly. Yeah. How these things go. So that brings us to the end of The Quiet Earth. And uh, what we talked about in this episode was talking about a planet. Sorry, talking about a film where a planet where there's no humans. One day there's no humans apart from our main character. So it's a different take on it. It's a New Zealand look at, yeah, the world with an apocalypse of everyone disappearing instantly Mm. and what that might mean. Uh, so what were your thoughts about the film? Uh, what did you think about the podcast? Give, you know, give us a rating, share us around with your friends, family, etc. Hit up our festival. Uh, there'll be more details coming for that. Next episode, sorry. Next episode will be... Everything, everyone, everywhere. All at once? All at once. (laughs) Everything at once, whatever that is. Everything, everywhere, all at once. So it's just coming off a massive awards uh, season. Seven Academy Awards? Sensationally hit a lot of awards out there, not only Oscars, BAFTAs, Golden Globes, all sorts of things over this last few months. A couple of really heartwarming stories of the the key actors as well involved. Uh, made by the Daniel Brothers, who also their previous film was that Swiss Army Man, which is a cool little film as well. So we'll be looking at it for episode ninety nine of Space Brains. Yes, and we alluded to some scenes of it in this. This podcast, we which did. is, you have, un, unless you've seen the film, you won't know which scenes we're talking about. No. But you will after you watch the film. So watch the film, tune in to us, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.